This is Unfilter, episode 231 for March 29th, 2017. Chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Devin Nunes, is in the middle of the most publicly inept cover-up we have ever seen. And he is not in it alone. Paul Ryan is doing everything he can to help him. Everything about this cover-up is inept, beginning with the simple fact that it is public. Cover-ups are not supposed to be public. Chase, the real newness here with you once again for Unfiltered Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. And uh, over there, running the board this week, getting ready for the big trip to Texas, is Mr. Chris Fisher. That's right, buddy. Boy, that is getting nigh. In fact, this is my last time on air before I hit the road. Yeah, so so we need to have a conversation because, you know, I got to say that when, you know, I, I understand, you know, with last going away and the last episode is going to be at Linux Fest Northwest which, which I think is a, a, a great thing. It's because, so nice, right? It's so because perfect. last two years actually, no, there was a gap, but last yeah, two times, yeah. last two years essentially, You've been there with us. I've been there yeah. uh, as a production crew, been putting fun. the polish on the show Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and now there's going to be some new shows. Yeah. This, this is where I'm getting into my, my beef with you, buddy. Uh-oh. Um, right here at the top of the show. Yeah, right here at the top of the show. <laughs> you know, never waste a moment. Yeah. Um, there's this new show called uh, Ask Noah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, where's this Ask Chase show? I mean, because really, man, I we, I, could, I we could do it. Let's do it. Okay, I think it should right, be like enough. a whole like a whole series. Oh, right? fair like, enough. Of Chase okay. on the street, something yeah, like that. Yeah, Chase yeah. in your face, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> Chase yeah. in your face. Yeah. Tk. Yeah. You know, we got the problem is we're just so busy working on this show. Big, yeah, fair big, enough. Big show. Fair enough. Uh, we got a really important cyber. Huge show. We got a huge important cyber this week. We're going to save everybody. Uh, then we got uh, some. Uh, we're going to go through. Uh, we're going to go through some great Russia moments this week. We're going to go through some great, including just uh, some some recap of the recent news. But what our main meat is going to be this week is this whole, I don't even know what to call it, this saga of the surveillance thing now. It started with a wiretapping tweet, and now it is this whole saga with uh, your brother and- My good friend. Devin. Yeah. And, well, he's uh, not really my good friend right now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Uh, Huge, I, I, huge, I, well, huge stuff we're going to talk about today. Everything broke loose today. And when we when we talk about Nunes, we're also going to talk about some things that happened with me personally today. <laughs> today. Because honestly, the host becomes the story. Well, it has happened. And the ironic thing about it is, and I know we'll talk about it, but on the way home, I'm driving in the car. I carpool with uh, one of my coworkers on the way home. And we're li- uh, we're listening to a competing radio station. Not even one. Of the, I know. Not even the ones that I, I work for. And one of the commercials that I've done played, and I heard my voice That's on the radio. And I'm like, I've had enough of me, man. I've had enough of me today. There's too much of me in my face. <laughs> I need to stop. You know what? We all we all we all have these limits, Chase. There's a limit. <laughs> let's get into the cyber zone. Yes, I I want a cyber ASL. Let me type that in. All right, go ahead. We all have this, we have this limit that we reach where we come into, we come in contact. Happened to us here on the show. Remember that one time on the show we tried to get into an extremist forum? Remember that? <laughs> yes. And like, I, I can't remember, you ended up like, it was just this total failure. But in these times when you do bump in accidentally into an ISIS forum, maybe. ISIL, it, but yeah. IS. Yeah. Maybe you see a YouTube beheading video. Ooh. What are you going to do? What do you do? 
We're here with a PSA for you. Thank you. How to act against extremist if terrorism. If you've seen online content of an extremist or terrorist nature, report it anonymously using this online tool. Now, the uh, video portrays, as soon as the uh, person goes to gov.uk and submits this uh, this form via the online tool, there is a uh, spry government agent who's uh, watching her two-monitor screen, and she immediately sees the alert come into uh, her inbox. Specialist officers will assess the material. What's going on? And if appropriate, seek its removal. So up on her screen is like, uh, it looks like propaganda. There is a black ISIS-ish figure holding up a gun. Hey, hey, Chris, that's, that's probably ra- stock that's photography. Ra- that's racist. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, seriously. You're this, right. This could be a, a gun-toting American holding up his rifle at the gun range. It's this funny you a- say that because I bet you the chances are that that is a stock photographer and that is a professional and yeah. it probably is a Caucasian male that yeah. is standing there. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't delay. Just act. So then, then they, then they somehow are going to then after your report, they're going to go pull it off of the internet. Oh, and so on. The, what they demonstrate on the other end is this guy on his MacBook Pro all of a sudden gets a full screen page pop up saying, "Notice of removal. This image has been removed." So the government, via, via their action center, has, I feel safer has pulled the content. Visit gov.uk/act. Do you want to go there? I kind of want to go there. <laughs> Gov.uk slash act. Go, I'm just gonna, no, wait, no, you got to say it right. Gov.uk slash act. All right, I'm going to do it. Let's go take a look. Gov. All right. And it's going to say not for your country. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, act. Okay, now it's redirecting me. Well, it's gov.uk slash act. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There yeah. it is. Yeah. All right. You can play your part in helping to tackle the terrorist threat facing the UK. The, Whoa. You know what I see here? Let's Chris? complete the secure form. Look I see this. a lot of words for just if you see something, say something. Yeah. So who or what was involved? How okay. did it, mm-hmm. where did this happen? When did this happen? If you don't know, remember the exact date, please describe roughly when, e.g. roughly a week ago. Please tell us everything you can about what you've seen or heard. And then it's just like a form Hey, Chris, box. this is anonymous, they said, right, in the commercial? They you did know, say so, that. So what's that bottom right window that popped up? Uh, we use cookies on the site to give you a better, more personalized experience. So that means they're tracking you. They did say anonymous, but right. even, <laughs> they, they're also going to have your IP. When you submit a form like this, they're going to get your IP. So that's also crap. That's also crap. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's move on. So uh, let's uh, let's move on to bots. All right. You I like talk bots. bots. I love yeah. bots, dude. Like, are we talking battle bots? Well, here? We got like Jbot. You know, we got like Jbot. Jbot's it's, great. Yeah, I can Always use dependable. Use Jbot to start and stop remote servers. Yeah. We can use Jbot to submit titles. People can do bang suggest, and then the Jbot bot will grab their title. Bacon. We can vote on the way. Yeah, eight ball. So yeah. in CNN or CNN, CBS is is really like they're the beacon of a legitimate news right now. The Tiffany on, Network. They're on a quest to eradicate fake news. They're going to explain it to us and they're going to eradicate it. And fake news right now, according to CBS, is being propagated via bots. Fake news articles, outrageous and salacious, bedeviled both presidential campaigns. Now, in an investigation for 60 Minutes, we have looked into how nonsense on one website breaks out to become a trending article on Facebook or Twitter. We discovered that some fake news publishers use fraudulent computer software called bots to make the articles appear to be wildly popular. Bots are fake social media accounts. Ah. Uh-huh. Okay, so is it is it fake news when they get it wrong, or is it just bad news reporting? That's not what bots are at all. Yeah, that's no, not it, what a bot no, is. No, it, it's bad. It, it's it's inaccurate. 
it's misinformed. Right. It's not fake. Because this is true. Isn't it funny though that here he is with all his pompous, yeah. Yeah. you know, all, he's all mightier and, and you got to realize he, though that. he's he's got to dumb it down for not the technology audience, but for, oh, I realize yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. There's ways to state that better. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because you could because what you could just describe bots as computer computer code that can be tasked to manipulate social accounts. Yeah. Yep. But that's not what he said. No, he didn't call them. He, he listen because it's it's a diff- makes a difference. Appear to be wildly popular. Bots are fake social media accounts. See, they're not though. They're not fake social media yeah, accounts. Some of them you might have be. Bots, sure. Well, you could have bots control a social media account. Yeah. Yeah. You could have a bot do that. Jim Bidmar knows all about bots. He's a, He's bot. a consultant oh. who helps products or people get noticed on the internet. So. When we're talking about these bots, these are Twitter accounts masquerading as real people. That's right. By the thousands? Millions. Now, no, of course, these accounts never have any real influence. No. They never have very many followers. No, they usually have eggs for icons. The, it's really easy yeah. to spot them, yeah. and Twitter is constantly cleaning them out. See, this, I think, is what Donald Trump would call fake news. This is what Donald Trump would call classify fake news, not news that's wholly made up, yeah. but simply news that is inaccurate in some way in which it misleads the public to some degree. We did an experiment with Vidmar's help. We bought 5,000 bots from a Russian website. Of course, there had to be a Russian website. Of course. There's plenty of websites in English. Freedomscripts.org there on the screenshot. There is plenty of places you could buy English bots. Yeah. Well, they wanted Russian because they wanted equality. Yeah, I wonder why. I wonder why they wanted Russian. I wonder what the real motivation was for going with Russian for this piece. Hmm. Because they're trying to make the tie that Russians have been using bots to manipulate the news. Yeah, that's true. You could buy a bot from anywhere. Yep. They cost us just a few hundred bucks. And I'm going to tweet from my account, what happens when 60 Minutes investigates fake news. <laughs> I bet that got ironically retweeted a few times. So tweet that out. There it is. Normally, I would expect real people to retweet my message a few dozen times. Vidmar programmed our bots to retweet my message, and then he turned them loose. Hit it with everything you got. Let's hit it with everything yeah. you got. Hit it with everything you got. He got 3.2,000. You notice that guy's webcam's on? He must have been recording Scott. I wonder if Scott realized that. Oh, yeah, it is. You, see, you can see the yeah. C920 right there yeah. with the two blue lights. Yeah. And look, he's got a microphone down there next to the monitor pointed right at Scott. You see that? Huh. You see that microphone? I do. On the stand? I do see it, yes. He recorded his own version of this interview. Wow. Retweets. Right Wait there. a minute. I went from 300 to. You can see the webcam in the bottom of the frame there. Yeah. So this is. So now the bots are retweeting. Now, this is not really all that remarkable, but watch Scott's reaction. The 3,000? Yeah. Uh huh. 3,400. Now it's 4,400. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that matters because Facebook and Twitter base their ranking of trending subjects on their popularity. Now, that's kind of also, I mean, it's, you, it's, your, it's your ranking in total. It's yeah. your entire social graph in its entirety. This, this whole idea that you could take a totally, completely, the, the, the premises of that whole 60 Minutes piece, which is very long and I can't play the whole thing. But the entire premise is that you can make, a, you can fabricate an entire story. Yeah. Like Pizzagate. And they actually use Pizzagate as the example. You can fabricate an entire story and just use bots, Russian bots, to make it big. And I I don't buy that premise for two reasons. Because the first reason is there is an entire social graph that's taken away. How many followers do they have? Is it a verified account? All of these things are included in the filter if something takes off. 
the other thing that the other reason, but the, but the real reason, Chase, really was the way I should put it, is I don't buy the premise. I don't buy the premise that the public at large is so stupid that they can't discern between real stories and fake stories. I'm sure there is a chattering class that sits around in Facebook comments that is too stupid to determine real news from fake news. But I think the, the, the bulk majority of the American people, when they're often put to the test, tend to show a very large amount of common sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it, the, pro- the problem I have with all of this is it's, it, it actually betrays the media's disrespect for the viewing public because they think that we're all so stupid that we get fooled by some fa- phony article we see on Facebook. And so they have to come be the bastion of what is CBS's new tagline? You real know. news? Yeah, so they have to be the bastion of real news because we're too stupid to discern for ourselves because we're all just dumb working class monkeys. Oof. That's what my real problem is with it. Yeah. Oof. Now, there is uh, a story breaking today that's got a lot of people in the tech circles pissed off. It's this, uh, it's this web history uh, 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 bill, I guess is the way to put it, where ISPs can start selling to the highest well, bidder. It, it, it was a rescindant. Of, of an FCC regulation right. that was signed late into Obama's term right. that was well, uh, hold overturned. On. Let yeah. me, yes, right. So let me, this is the setup. Yeah. And yeah. then I want, it yeah. sounds like you and I are on the same page about yep. it. So. Live look now at the U.S. Capitol tonight, where the U.S. House sent the president a major bill that could change how we use the internet. The bill would take away the FCC's online privacy protections that were going to take effect at the end of the year. Lori Mazakawa joins us now with details on the changes and how they could affect you. A little sad. Amanda, and David, if it becomes law, the bill would allow Internet service providers like Verizon, AT&T and Comcast access to your data without your permission. And that includes search history, location, emails, messages, even health data. The providers would be able to monitor your customers' behavior online, use your personal information to sell ads, again, without your permission. They could even sell your information directly to marketers, financial firms and others who can use that information again without your consent and service providers would no longer be required to improve protection against hackers and thieves republican oh. backers say their bill gets government out of the internet business democrats say it's just outrageous i want to play a little bit of how mitch mcconnell explains it on the floor here and today we'll have an opportunity to send another to the president's desk this resolution would overturn a costly and confusing federal communications rule The regulation in question makes the internet an uneven playing field, increases complexity, discourages competition. You can start, you can hear the language he's using here, right? What this is really about is removing power away from the FCC. That's what this is really about. Uh, And they claim, well, the FTC could step in and do a case-by-case review of this, and they could use their powers, but most people argue that the FTC is toothless. Um, But I, I, I think what I would like to do is have a conversation with you uh, I obviously don't want ISPs selling in browsing information. And what does disturb me, and I covered this in further detail in Linux Action Show, is there are um, lobbying groups by some of the largest ISPs that have been lobbying very heavily for this. Oh, yeah. And they're, and they're bragging to advertisers that they'll be able to track individuals across four devices. They'll be able to tell you which tablet is the child's tablet because they're going to school websites so they can send the child 
specific ads that tell you which one's dad's, which one's mom, and which machines they use. And the great part is because we're their ISP, we're also the cable provider. So we'll also be able to tell you what TV shows they watch, when they fast forward, when they rewind. This also is why they're pulling out of advertising on YouTube, because they want to take the data that they get from the ISPs, the data they get from their partners, the data they get from the data brokers they hire to correlate your credit card transactions, your health information, your insurance information, and then they want the data from Google so they know what ads you see on YouTube. It's really all about the data. It's about tracking. It's been about that the entire time, and that's extremely valuable. So the ISP groups lobbied the Republican caucus to, 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 to initiate this review process of the FCC's powers. And by invoking this review process, they were able now to strike this out and remove this power from the FCC. All that said, I'm not so sure I want the FCC having any power over the internet because once those sons of bitches start getting their hands into stuff, like, so uh, Noah is, you know, the new show Ask Noah is launching and it's going to be simulcasted in Grand Forks on the radio. And there is a metric S-ton of FCC ridiculous rules he's had to go through. He just passed the last test today. Test? Like, they came in and they tested, like, they has, he has to, like, before he can go, before they can put him on air, he has to have, like, a certain noise floor level. He has to be, like, at a negative 61 dB noise floor. Oh, okay. And they came in and tested each individual line of his today to make sure that he was at negative 61 dB exactly. Wow. Uh, and I, the, all of these, like, weird esoteric rules about nipples and all this kind of stuff that they have done to TV and to radio, I really don't want to see it happen to the Internet. And when you give the FCC more power over the Internet, you are inviting regulation by people who are not elected into office. You see, there's more public oversight of the FTC than there is of the FCC. Those are bureaucrats that are put in by other bureaucrats, and they can pass rules and regulations that we basically convert into laws and then have no say over. So right. I'm not a huge fan of giving the FCC more power. I don't like the idea of these ISPs selling our information. I especially don't like that. Um, so what? So what's a, a, a good trade-off? Because right now, well, a good trade-off would be to give the FTC enforcement powers. Right, but they're not going to do that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't see a Republican administration at this point doing that. Here's the real thing. This is the super. Re this is the super real thing. First of all, Trump hasn't signed this yet. I said, but it sounds he said he's like he's going to sign. It. Well, he, well, it's essentially Spicer. Trump that. is reportedly expected to sign legislation that would allow internet service providers to monitor internet activity mm -hmm. and sell that information without <laughs> users' permission. Will he be signing that legislation? And why does he think it's good for America? I'm wondering who this benefits apart from ISPs and their executives. I, I know the House and the Senate have just passed that. When they enroll it, uh, then we will we'll have further updates on that. I'm not. When we have, a, I, I know that I believe we have a statement of administration policy on that bill out, um, and we have further updates on a signing ceremony. I will let you know. Doesn't this, doesn't this erosion of protections create major risks for people? Use that um, information for nefarious purposes. Also, hostile nations potentially looking at you know what congressmen are browsing online. I think that's a really great question. Yeah, that's because total. this is essentially privatized spying. Every ISP is going to be Google now. They're all going to be yep, watching Everyone's going to have info. But listen to Sean. The way he says this, it sounds like it's a signed deal. Like, is that concerning to the White House? I, I think there's, as I mentioned, that we have a statement of administration policy on that bill. Um, that We'll have further updates. And when we do, we sign it. I'm sure we'll have further details on why. When we sign it, we'll have further details on why. Uh, yeah. So that looks like Can't provide details before you sign, but sure, when uh, you can afterwards when uh, it's provided to uh, you, probably. Yep, yeah, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. I don't, I'm not happy about it. Although I think the reality is, 
But will the I mean, FCC w- rules but would a VPN have... uh, you know protect somebody? I mean, in this mm-hmm. scenario, oh yeah, sure, Tor might help too. Yeah. Their DNS crypt might even be a good way to go. Using yeah. HTTPS is going to be a the good The problem is that, that I mean, would that uh, help against uh, the, you know, the injection, uh, you know, the, what Verizon got caught? We don't know what? how they're, we don't, I mean, people are assuming maybe it's going to be, they'll be watching DNS, but I would probably assume it's going to be packet inspection. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Too. Uh, and the other reason why I'm not really all like, yeah, VPN, rah, rah, rah. First of all, I don't want anything to make my connection any slower. I don't want anything yeah. that adds latency. That sucks. Yeah. Totally. Sucks for gaming, sucks for streaming, sucks. Um, the other thing I don't like is it shouldn't have to do it. Right. The other thing I don't like is that it's something that only technical elite can accomplish. So it means the vast, 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 vast majority of the public are still getting spied upon. And I think the vast majority of the public still don't even really understand what the hell's going on with this situation. I agree. Situation. 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 You know, there's one thing that uh, I, I think is bared out over the course of this show. Yeah. When, uh, when John McCain. Yeah. My good friend. Hillary Clinton. Other good friend. And Dick Cheney. Man, that's a that's a party. When they all agree on something, the opposite <laughs> is probably true. <laughs> Not any argument that at this stage that somehow the election of uh, President Trump was not legitimate, but there's no question, but what there was a very serious effort made by You know, it's funny, Dick Cheney, there's you know, as time goes on, people stay the same. Here he says there's no question. There's no question. There's also, it's funny, another famous Dick Cheney quote, he said, there's no doubt that Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. <laughs> nice callback. It, it's interesting. Like, he, the man still speaks the same way. Like, he still couches his lies the same way. He hasn't, he hasn't come up with a more convincing way. Legitimate, but there's no question but what there was a very serious effort made by Mr. Putin and uh, his, uh, his government, his organization. To interfere in major ways with our basic fundamental democratic processes. In some quarters, that would be considered an act of war. Yeah, that last phrase there, a lot of attention, an act of war. Strong words from the former Vice President Dick Cheney. John Bolton. For- so uh, Cheney this week came out, coming out saying this Russia stuff is an act of war. And Anderson Cooper, he's going to do a rundown of Trump's Russia connections. Uh, and to, to make this work... He's going to have to make a flow chart. Talk about oh, the facts no. tonight. The facts about this White House and those close to it and ties to Russia. All We want to show you a flow chart just so everybody can follow along because it's confusing. There are the facts about former White House National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, a key advisor during the Trump campaign. In 2015, he sat next to Russian President Vladimir Putin at a black tie gala for Russia's RT propaganda network, which the Kremlin paid Flynn more than $33,000 to attend. There's the fact that during the campaign, Flynn had regular contact with Russian nationals, and during the transition, he discussed sanctions with Russia's ambassador, Sergei Kislyak, and then lied about it to the vice president and others, and the fact that it cost him his new job as national security advisor. That's a fact. That's not a fact. That's not a fact. That's not what cost him the job. See, that's what Trump would call, again, fake news. What cost him his job was that he lied to the vice president, and then after some deliberation, like, well, since you lied to us, you've lost our trust, we're firing you. Right. They didn't fire him because he talked to the ambassador. Correct. They fired him because he, he lied. lied. That's yeah. why he fired him. But, then, but Cooper says that's a fact. It's not a fact. That's actually a misrepresentation. Lost him his new job as national security advisor. That's a fact. Then there are the facts about President Trump's son-in-law and close advisor, Jared Kushner. Fact, in December, during the transition, Mr. Kushner met with the ambassador. He also met with a guy named Sergei Gorkov, 
president of Russia's state-owned bank, VEB, in late 2016. I'm going to be interested to see his testimony. I like that they're making, they're digging up these connections. You remember when Joe Biden's son-in-law went over and started running part of the oil company right. over we in, talked about in Ukraine? It. Yes. I would have loved it if they would have dug into that, too. Yeah. Because I think that was a particularly telling little connection there. They just completely went unreported. But here in this case, they're reporting. You know what it was? There was a, a airplane crash probably at the time, and they were wall-to-wall with <laughs> coverage. Some facts about former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort. He worked for years in Ukraine for pro-Russian politician Viktor Yanukovych. Manafort also partnered with a Russian oligarch on business deals. And according to the Associated Press, he worked for a Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska. I think the story with Manafort isn't his connections with Russia, but it's actually his connections with Turkey, which is why he has connections with Russia. And, there, and, the, and what this, again, is sort of another, they're giving you a partial look, but they're not telling you the entire picture. I'm going to play more clips later on in the show. But uh, Manafort was really a shill for Turkey, which is way more disturbing in reality. But what they're choosing to do is only talk about the connections to Russia, even though the Turkey connections have been actually publicly disclosed by him. Right. To benefit the Putin government. Fact, former Trump uh, foreign policy advisor of some sort, Carter Page, worked in Russia for about three years, was involved in deals with state-owned gas giant Gazprom, and traveled to uh, Russia over the summer uh, while he had been named a, uh, a close advisor to the president. Then, uh, that same month, uh, uh, Carter Page spoke to Ambassador Kislyak on the sidelines of the Republican convention. As you might know- <gasps> They spoke on the sidelines, Chase. On the sidelines. Attorney General Jeff Sessions was the first senator to support candidate Trump. Some facts about him. He also met with Ambassador Kislyak twice during the campaign, despite testifying that he never had any contacts with Russians during the campaign. Michael Cohen is President Trump's personal lawyer. Two facts about him. Last month, he met, uh, met with a guy named Felix Sater, a Russian immigrant connected to the mob, accordingly. Mr. Trump also- I like they're just going with, now just, you know, there's a rumor. Founded a grain company in Ukraine. Then there, uh, excuse me, Cohen. Then there are the facts about longtime Trump associate Roger Stone, who communicated with someone He's not actually a, so much as a long-time Trump associate as he was people connected to Trump. Stone's more like a, a contract hitman. You hire Stone to come in to cause some trouble, and when you need somebody to shake things up in the media, you hire Stone. That's, that's really it. Known as Guccifer 2.0. And of course, there's never been any proof that Guccifer 2.0 was working with the Russians. That's just been implied. Right. Through private messages on Twitter. The U.S. intelligence community says that Guccifer uh, 2.0 persona was actually a front for Russian intelligence, claim responsibility for hacking the DNC before the election. So Again, that's not a fact. That's not a fact. That is actually, it's, it's definitely a possibility, but it's not a fact. So those are some facts. There are a lot more, but we'll just stop there because we do have a lot to talk about in the next two hours. And the ones we listed, they might be legal. They might be totally legal connections. Yeah, they might be. <laughs> they might be totally legal connections. Moving on, uh, just to show you the other side, they, they, you could report this differently, depending on the lens in which you look at this, because there's some really fascinating con Russian connections on the left. You know your good friend? My buddy. John Podesta? Yeah, what's going on with John? Turns out he has a few connections. Some real deep ties, you might say. Really? Uh, well, what about your connection to the Kremlin cash, Mr. Podesta? Joining us right now from Tallahassee is uh, Peter Schweitzer. He's the author of Clinton Cash, president of the Government Accountability Institute. Peter, good morning to you. Good morning, book, Steve. By the way. So tell us about uh, John Podesta and his connection to uh, a, a Kremlin-backed company. 
Well, in, in 2011, John Podesta joins the board of this very small energy company called Jewel Energy, based out of Massachusetts. About two months after he joins the board, a Russian entity called Rusnano puts a billion rubles, which is about $35 million, into John Podesta's company. Now, what is Rusnano? Rusnano is not a private company, Steve. It is a fund directly funded by the Kremlin. In mm -hmm. fact, the Russian science minister called Rusnano Putin's child. Now, if you are looking at the connections of Manafort and other people around Flynn, other folks around Trump, I think it's pretty fair to discuss connections around perhaps, say, Obama. Turns out Podesta was consulting with Obama wow. while getting this money. So you have the Russian government investing in one of John Podesta's business is in 2011 while he is an advisor to Hillary Clinton at the State Department. Oh, and Hillary. While he's an advisor to Hillary Clinton. Okay, does anybody in the Trump circle uh, rise to the level where there's uh, this kind of money involved? Uh, no, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, nobody that is, you know, has an advisory role in the White House uh, has had this money exchanged, and certainly the money hasn't exchanged, as far as we know, right. uh, while they have been advising the president. Okay, so all that big money when he was the uh, uh, an advisor to Hillary Clinton, who was running for president, he was all, and also at, at the uh, U.S. Department of State, but also wasn't he a special counselor to Barack Obama when he was president and did not disclose that? fact that he had apparently it looks like in his portfolio all this Russian money Oh, yeah, I mean, this is part of the problem, Steve. So then in 2013, he goes to the White House uh, to be special counselor to Barack Obama. Uh, and that requires that you, you know, have financial disclosures every year. In his financial disclosure form in 2013, he not only fails to disclose these 75,000 shares of stock that he has in Jewel Energy, which is funded in part by the Russian government, he also fails to disclose that he is on one of the three corporate boards that this entity he has. It's got this very complex ownership structure. <laughs> so it, you could. It, the funny thing about all of these connections to Russia and the Ukraine is, depending on the lens in which you choose to look at the information, yeah, you can dig up information either way. Right. I'm, it all looks to anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, people can dig it up on me, is. and you never know what can find anything. All of these guys and gals yeah. are opportunistic sons of bitches. That the second they get a business opportunity and can use their influence to leverage it, they're going to take it because that's why they're in this level of politics. Right. It's so not about serving the common good at this point anymore. Let's be honest. Come on. Yeah. Be straight with us. So we got to talk about Nunes. Now, before we get there. Who? Yeah. Uh, before we get there, uh, <laughs> our, our good buddy, Mr. Chase, has had a My up close friend, and wait. personal experience with this whole Devin Nunes controversy, which we're about to cover. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Ironically, you just happen to say, you just happen to share the same. I, I just last name. happen to have the same last name as the guy. And this has been going on now for weeks. We've been talking Couple about it here on the show. Yep. We, and it, the news broke first here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's bubbled up. It's bubbled up to uh, our local ABC affiliate, uh, Como News. Twitter wars are nothing new. You've probably gotten into a few yourself. One of our own engineers here at Como accidentally got dragged into one. 
because of his name. Como's Chase Nunes is good enough to join us in studio. So this is literally an hour and a half ago? Yes. <laughs> literally. Uh, you were on the radio right before you jumped in the uh, in the car and ran yeah, up Yeah, I here. walked over to the radio studio and jumped on with Tom. Yeah, and so they covered the story. And yeah. it's not your first name, is it, Chase? No, no, it's my last name, Tom. There's a certain Devin Nunes who's right. in a bit of a controversial situation, Republican head of the House Intelligence Committee. I don't think everybody needs the full backdrop on that. You're probably right. familiar with it. Yeah. So you have this last naming. So describe this. Are you guys eye to eye? Yeah, you, we're, 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 we're seeming pretty chummy. Yeah. And, and by the way, Tom, Tom Glasgow, he uh, does uh, sports for the Mariners, uh, Root Sports. He's a great guy. He does afternoon drive for us. And uh, they were actually looking for me earlier in the day. I, I, I'm working. Okay. So I'm all over the building. And they're like, hey, Chase, uh, do you got about five minutes to spend on the radio with us? And Actually, we need to back this up a little bit before you continue. So earlier, uh, yeah, yesterday, I uh, got a tweet from Todd Bishop at uh, uh, GeekWire.com. Uh, GeekWire is a Seattle-based uh, technology news website. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, they, they thought it was hilarious what was going on, and they wanted to write a story. So they wrote a story about it, and the story got published this morning. Once the story got published, one of the uh, associate uh, executive producers of Como News comes over to me and says, "Hey Chase, we have to put you on the air. We have to put you on TV." <laughs> okay. Uh, and so uh, I was interviewed uh, for TV news, and that's uh, been already been on the air at four, and it'll be on the air again here shortly. I haven't seen that, but it was fun. I was there. Uh, but then they were looking for me to do a radio interview as well for uh, for Como News. Uh, Radio, AM and FM. And so, uh, yeah, this was recorded live. I, I went over there and uh, talking to these very familiar microphones, and we, we had some fun. Common. It's a fairly common name. Yeah, yeah. So why are you involved in all this? Well, back in 2008, I decided to sign up for this service that was new called Twitter. Right? Heard of it? Yeah, yeah. So I signed <laughs> up, and I figured, hey, I'm going to use my last name on there. It was available. So I signed up with that newness, and, you know, I've, I'm very involved with social media. I make my own content, do my own Geek Gamer TV stuff and everything. And then about two weeks ago, I started getting these at replies to me, but they weren't related to anything I do. They were related to Devin. Yes. And so what I decided to do is uh, instead of ignoring it, well, I tried to ignore it, but in one day I got like 600 responses. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I decided, hey, I'm going to go ahead and have some fun with this and uh, start uh, replying, but be more sarcastic in my replies. Now I got a question for you. Yeah, buddy. So, so you guys, it, the report goes on and it gets to a point. You can go in there and just grab it and take it for and themselves. Gone for good. So, and I, I want my name. This so there wasn't this part. Let's see, wait for it. Yeah. Interesting story. Thanks for joining. So right there, right here. Okay, now I gotta ask you, yes. just from a production standpoint. Yes. When this moment happens, all right. Thanks for how, how are things in engineering, by the way? When you heard that in the back of your mind, as a, as somebody who's been a host and a co-host for a decade. Yeah. Did you go, oh, shit, he needs to kill a little time. Yeah, he needs to kill a Yeah, that's what I thought. I knew it. As soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, shit, what's Chase going to do? Because he, he looked at the clock. There, I yeah. Mean, so radio, kind of like this show, it, it is run down to the second. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so, you know, they have traffic on the force, and you have yeah. sports at 45, and yeah. you have all these things, right? So I listened so, to him. Interesting story. Thanks for how, how are things oh, in oh, engineering? Oh, oh. <laughs> Stop! 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 Yeah. So, 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 yeah. He brought up engineering, and of course, you know, I couldn't throw the the, the station under the bus. No, you did great. Way. Engineering's great. I, I think we're on the air right now. Which is, that was good, dude. That made me laugh. Which so, is, which the is lights good. as we are. So the lights as we are. Yeah. So we're we're good to go. But no, it's uh, things are great. Cumble's a great family, and everybody's been real supportive of uh, of me during my, my time of peril. All right. <laughs> that was good.
That was good, Chase. That was a good response. Pulling for you. Thanks, And Tom. again, you... And then you guys talk about the safety committee. Like, he was just searching for stuff, but it was well, good. Yeah. It was friendly. Yeah, it was friendly, and it was fun, and it, it went off very well. I, I'm interested to see how the, the TV interview went. Uh, you know, it's like I had experience on the microphone before. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know where I got that from. They, they should probably catch on to that, I think. Yeah. I yeah. think they eventually will. Um, so we have, uh, what now, you know, Mr. Chase, we have yeah. so much stuff to get into. We yes. have so so many good things, as they say, that why don't we dig into something that we touched on last week? You remember the story where the judge went on Fox News and said the GCHQ got the information over to That's Obama? That's right, yes. Three, three sources, wasn't three it? Sources. Three sources. Three sources. And, then, and then, then Trump says something in a press conference, and that day, boom, Fox News fires him. That's right. Gone. Gone. Well, guess what? Is he back? The judge is back. Yeah, oh. I, I called it. Senior I called judicial it. analyst Judge Anna Napolitano. And Judge, nice to see you. Good to see you. Good morning oh. to you. You've had a few quiet days. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. He's had a few quiet days. <laughs> Sitting at home. Yes, I have. You likely needed them. Yes. Um, before we get to the case facing the former Congress. Illinois. You put out a statement, I think it was 10 days ago, right. saying you were confident in the story that you reported here. Um, in the past month. Yes. You still stand by that? or Yes, I do, and the, and the sources stand by it. And the American public uh, needs to know more about this rather than less, because a lot of the government's surveillance authorities will expire in the fall. Remember I was talking about yeah, this last right. week? That's right, 702. That's the big story here. The 702 yep. renewal in the fall is the big story. Seven, I think it's, it's yeah, it's not. Oh, seven, it's 702, section, right? Yeah, I can't, 701, 702. Seven, yeah. Either way, it's 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 the it's the loophole that allows them to use incidental collection to survey basically all of us. Remember, it's according to Snowden leaks, it's like within five hops. Right. If they can get within five hops of a foreign, of a foreign surveillance target, mm-hmm. or if they're 49% unsure, then they can surveil you. Yeah, or six degrees of Kevin Bacon. If, <laughs> right. if they get one of right. those three, yeah. you're good. It's, but it's five for the NSA. Yeah, I know, they, six. It's, it's one link easier. Yeah. Uh, it, so so the judge says, yeah, I stand by it. And I, I wonder if his source and Nunes' source are related? I don't know. And there will be a great debate about how much authority we want the government to have to surveil us. And the more the American public knows about this, the more informed their and Congress's decisions will be. Well, so no change then? Correct. And we'll see how the story plays out. We will, yeah. In time. Yeah. I think right. a lot more is going to come. A lot more is going to come? I, that's he amazing. Feel, you know, he feels that's amazing like he, he's back. This he, is the third. I, know. Wait, I yeah. called it. First, I called it he'd be back. Remember I, he had a show and he got kicked off the air? I, I think... At some point, the way he's talking, it's like he sounds like he's going to get vindicated. Like, yeah, he's gonna, I know, I think so. And the way he's saying, it, like, it's it's cool. The fact that they brought vindic- him on, yeah. back means he has something solid. Yeah, that's what that means. That does. Ooh, that's interesting to it's me. It's very interesting. It's going to be a oh, the judge is back, dude. Oh my god, what if this happens? What if this happens while I'm driving to Texas? Oh my gosh, this is going to be the worst. Most, but we will definitely round it up when I whenever we get back. But oh my god, I'm about to have an anxiety attack just be, thinking it's about good, that. It's okay, but. <sighs> Tonight, new developments on the stunning collection of Trump team communications by U.S. intelligence. We now know where the Intel Committee Chairman Devin Nunes viewed the information he found concerning. That's ignited a controversy of its own. More on that in just a minute. But first, ranking member Adam Schiff still won't let up on Nunes for briefing the president on the matter before the committee. Sorry, Adam. Well, we can't have a credible investigation if one of the members, indeed the chairman, uh, takes only information he has seen to the White House and doesn't share it with his own committee. I think the chairman has to make a decision uh, whether to act as a surrogate of the White House, as he did during the campaign and the transition, 
or to lead a independent and credible investigation. I hope he chooses the latter. Uh, the country really oh. needs to have an independent, credible investigation in the House. Adding fuel to the controversy, it was revealed today that Chairman Nunes viewed the documents that reportedly shows incidental collection of Team Trump on White House grounds a day before he revealed it to the news to the public. Okay. So this has caused quite a bit of hoopla. Um, it has indeed. Uh, quite a bit. Uh, this is, uh, of course, immediately being leveraged by Adam, uh, Adam Schiff. Received the information at the White House or on the White House grounds that he later returned to the White House. Look at his collar. You see how it's all twisted up and screwed up? And it doesn't fit him quite right? It's so weird. Well, He, had he looks like he just got dressed for this interview. Yeah, he probably had to. <laughs> Um, in my view, there's no legitimate reason to... Uh, I want to remind you that he sits on the House Intelligence Committee. Yeah, he's a ranking member. Right. I want to, so that means he should, he's, pretty, he's probably pretty familiar with the in, intelligence yes. apparatus. Yep. To uh, withhold that from the committee uh, that is charged with responsibility of overseeing uh, these issues. There's nothing normal about what's taken place over the last week. Uh, it's certainly not normal to go and receive information as the chairman of a committee that you can't share with your own committee members. Oh, again, I want to remind you, he's the chairman of the Intelligence Committee for the, for the House. But you go and share with the president, particularly if the investigation involves associates of the president. As far as I know, none of the committee members have seen it. Uh, it's not just uh, an unwillingness to share with Democrats. None of the committee members, Democrats or Republicans, have seen what the chairman is referring to. It's not just the Democrats. The Republicans haven't seen it. You know what? They haven't seen it. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. All, All right. right. All right. I wonder, wonder why that is. Wonder why won't, why won't Nunes... Why won't Devin? Why won't Devin? We'll go by Devin. Yeah, let's go by Devin, please. But why, why, yeah, why is he not why, sharing the information? Why, why did he Devin, take it directly? Why, yeah. why did he go to the White House? Why did he Why did he take it directly to the president? Why did he make two trips to the White House? Who let him in at the White House? Why hasn't he shared it with uh, Schiff? Why hasn't he shared it with the other Republicans? I have answers for all of this. I can answer every single one of those questions. Can you answer it in 140 characters or less? No. <laughs> no, no, I cannot. All right. So uh, let's start with uh, let's start with uh, the whole. Uh, oh, okay. Let's start Did with you it. use that skiff? Uh, and the skiff is the acronym. Have you heard of skiff? Skiff. Yeah. So skiff for a sensitive compartmented information facility. Did you? Use so it's a sensitive compartmented information facility. A skiff. Never heard of this. Well, that's because we don't know anything about how the intelligence systems work. No, we don't. And so this is why this is a story. Because if if we had any insight into how classifications work and how security worked, this would not be an issue. But the fact that none of us know, but we've all become armchair politic and analysis uh, analyzers. That we we all have right. we all yep. now have an opinion and insight into this process somehow. They are leveraging our ignorance to make a story where none exists. So here's the, here's the fundamental problem. The information that Devin has been given has not been declassified for Congress to review it. So no one in Congress can see it. It can't even be brought to Congress. It is only allowed for view at the executive level. So it can only be viewed at the White House. It literally means the papers are only allowed to be opened and viewed in a secure room at the White House. Now, does he go on and actually answer that and Is that, that skiff on the White House grounds? Why not use a skiff? You have plenty of them up on the House side and the Senate side on Capitol Hill. Yeah, and this, we, we've talked about this before. It's, uh, this is where they reviewed secret bills before. These are all over D.C. and they're for different classification levels. Well, that is a very good question. So here's the problem. The Congress has not been given this information, these documents. And that's the problem. 
So, so because, the, because this is executive branch, it was distributed widely through the executive branch. This was from November, December, and January. This is the stuff that the Obama administration pushed all around. It's got, so they, it, it, if he were to bring it to, if he were to bring it to a congressional skiff, he would be literally leaking the information. He would be declassifying the information. Uh, and these were reports, just let me reiterate, this had nothing to do with Russia, nothing to do with the Russia investigation. Uh, there is no way uh, for the folks that I had been working with to actually to, to bring this forward to light. There was no way I could view that because they couldn't get it to the House Intelligence Committee. Because it would have to come from somebody higher up that's allowed to declassify it. Maybe it would be Kami, maybe it would be Mike Rogers, but somebody would have to uh, authorize the declassification to hand this information over to the hearing, to the, to the investigators, and they're not doing it. They're, they're blocking it. Yeah. So somebody in one of these agencies went around the leadership and he took advantage of the existing classification ad that Obama stamped all over stuff on his way out the door. And he was able to review with, with Devin at the White House. This was their little workaround. Now, we have requested on March 15th, uh, we sent a letter over to uh, the appropriate intelligence agencies asking that they provide us uh, for all the Americans' names that were unmasked in November, December, and January, actually going back to June. Uh, and so we're hopeful that we're going to begin to get through those, uh, that, those, uh, those documents, uh, those names. Uh, we think that the NSA is uh, providing uh, the information sometime this week. It'll take our investigators a while to go through it. Now, that's a key thing. The NSA is on board. In fact, it looks like the NSA is going to be the agency providing him with the information that backs up the claims, yeah, but they're going through whatever process they have to go through right. to, de to declassify it, to whatever they have to do. But the bottom line is this, is that we have to protect the identities of Americans who are picked up in incidental collection, no matter who that is. It's one of the most important roles uh, of the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, we are uh, supposed to be doing... Uh, oversight. To the other point, uh, this whole it's odd for him to be going to the White House. Uh, it's actually not odd at all for anyone on that committee at that level to go actually sometimes twice a week to the White House. From the House side? To go or or, or, the, Senate or, the, inten or the Senate's mm -hmm. committee, too. In fact, it, it seems like Nunes has gone to go to the White House several times before all of this. And it's, I don't think it's all that unusual to, under Obama for the same thing to happen. I I looked at a report. And I don't know. I don't know. It was it was a CBS report. So you take it for what it is. But it doesn't seem to be unusual. It doesn't seem to be an unusual occurrence. It seems to be a standard practice because if they're re the reason being, according to the report, is they're reviewing classified information on a routine basis. Ah, OK. And that's where they have yeah, to do it. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But now there is definitely there is a firestorm to call for Devin's. Uh, let's let's ask a question, Meek. That needs to be asked at the top before we get into this news. Um, who decided that Devin Nunes was President. qualified, <laughs> was qualified to be the House Intel chair? Now it's character assassination, though. Because oh. from everybody that I've spoken to... And you can tell it's a character assassination because look at the pictures they're choosing to use. Yeah, him of, of non-confidence and... Unflattering close-ups. Yeah. Who have worked with him, Republicans, Democrats, like they say he That's is not one. up to that right. task. Well, look, he has completely look. proven that. So it, I, I don't really, leading up to it, if some people thought he should be chair, that's fine. He became chair, that's fine. He has completely undermined himself. It is now proven 10 times over. Dave, and this isn't us. This is just reality. Yeah. That's reality. It's proven 10 times over. Um, and... There's been there's been a Republican that's called for him to also recuse himself. 
Several Democrats now calling on Republican Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunes to recuse himself from the Russia investigation or step down altogether. Wow. I want to bring in Maryland Democratic Senator Ben Cardin, member of the Foreign Relations Committee. Senator, always good to see you. Thanks for your time this morning, sir. Uh, let's start with the news of the day. Do you believe Nunes should recuse himself from the investigation or resign his chairmanship altogether even? Well, Chairman Nunes' conduct is bizarre. He goes to the White House. See, this is what's so weird to me is Schiff, this guy, they all know it's not bizarre. They all know it's they all know it's a classification issue. If they all or or they are all very unaware of how the process works. So why but why wouldn't Devin come out and just say that? Essentially he did in that interview well, with Wolf. He, he did it with Wolf. Okay. This but, is what happens. It doesn't change the narrative anymore. The narrative continues on. The information comes out and it just steamrolls right along. Yeah. If, I, it, this, I, I just fact, feel like if he would have came out and said this when he was on the front of the White House lawn, you know, and he was out there and he and he was making some some notes and that sort of thing. But I, I think all of this is a play on our ignorance because what we don't know is you got to figure these guys are probably terrified about getting butt slammed if they reveal any kind of classified information, anything that might reveal means, sources, or methods. And so I would imagine that they are they are paranoid about what they say because he's been iterating on what he's talked about now for a week. To get information that should have been made available to him in the Capitol. Then he has a, a press release or a conference and then greets the president of the United States before talking to the ranking member of his committee or the members of that committee. Again, see, the executive branch was authorized to review this information. So, first of all, it's it's surveillance about Trump, which I think the president, any president, if this was happening to Obama, would want to know. Obama would want to know. Yeah. But also, these they already, they, they don't have to go through any hoops. They're, they've already been, they already have the right classification. Yeah. That's not what a chairman does in an investigation. So, no, he's lost all credibility. He needs to step down. Uh, it shows that it's going to be extremely difficult for Congress to do its own bipartisan, nonpartisan investigation of what Russia was doing in the United States and the contact to uh -huh. the Trump administration. We need to have an independent commission look at this. But this is a Republican saying this. No, it's a Democrat. Oh, this is a Democrat. But there are Republicans oh, okay. saying this. This right. is we need to have a 9-11 style commission. We need to have a 9-11 oh, Style. Yeah, I got a 9-11 style. Yeah, so th that I think is going to be a dark path. Uh, I think that's – that, because once you start digging, you don't stop until no. you find something. No, yeah. And there's probably something there. Uh, I really think so. But I think this whole this whole why he went to the White House narrative is is eventually going to fall apart. It's going to come down to classification. Once they are able to once the NSA provides information, it, that'll be obvious because they'll talk about what they went through to declassify it. And I think most of the media and the Democratic leadership realizes that. So I think they're pivoting from the he went to the White House story to he's trying to block Yates. President Trump is calling the story of his campaign's ties to Russia a hoax even though his national security advisor and his campaign chairman were fired over it. Again, that's not really true. Flynn was fired or, quote, unquote, resigned because he lied to the vice president. And then once his, quote, unquote, trust, again, quotes, was violated, they let him go. It wasn't it's a it's a it's, a, it's an important distinction. A, a hoax, even though his national security advisor and his campaign chairman were fired over it. It's almost ironic because they're sitting there busting Trump's balls about him calling the Russia story a hoax. And then they exaggerate the conflation of the Russian story right here. So in one breath, he ridicules on the CBS Evening News, Scott Pelley, 
ridicules the president for calling the story a hoax, and then the next breath <laughs> yeah. exaggerates the story. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, totally. It, I, I, it, I guess I, I've, I just, I'm, I'm literally at the point where it's melting my head. I, I explained it to Noah re- recently that it feels like mold is growing on my brain because this, it's, it's either cognitive dissonance on their part or I am living in a different reality. I'm going to play just this, and then we'll move on. President Trump is calling the story of his campaign's ties to Russia a hoax. If it's not a hoax, you shouldn't need to exaggerate the story. You should be able to just tell it exactly as the facts are, and it should stand on its own if it's not a hoax. Right. But then he exaggerates it. Even though his national security advisor and his campaign chairman were fired over it, the House, Senate, and FBI are all looking into Russian meddling in the election. And that is three active investigations right now. Today, the Republican chairman of the House Intelligence Committee said he will not take himself off the investigation. Democrats and at least one Republican are demanding Devin Nunes recuse himself because he has appeared to be coordinating with the White House. Jeff Begays has the latest. Are you going to stay as chairman and run this investigation? Well, why would I not? House Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunes dismissed accusations that he has been intentionally delaying his committee's investigation. The committee has held one public hearing on Russia and was supposed to have a second today. But after Nunes announced late last week that he had been shown intercepted communications involving members of the Trump transition team, today's session was canceled. It was supposed to feature testimony from former Acting Attorney General Sally Yates about the Justice Department's investigation of former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. We remember Yates. She's the one yeah. that got fired. Yeah, she, she got, got fired. Because yeah. the first that that first uh, Muslim ban, <laughs> yeah. he, you know, the first one, there was a little bit of reaction. And she said, all right, we're not going to enforce this. And then he fired her. In January, Yates informed the White House that Flynn had misled the vice president about his contacts with the Russian ambassador. CBS News has obtained this letter from the Trump Justice Department to Yates's attorney warning that there was a limit to what she could reveal in her testimony. See, this is where the journalism begins to fall apart because there's two letters and they have one of them. Instead of waiting for the second letter, they go on the air and report on one letter. So they have one side of the conversation. There's limits to what she could reveal because there's classified information in there. There was a limit to what she could reveal in her testimony and that she needs to consult with the White House. I, and this is going back to the same information. It has executive level classification. It's been declassified for the executive level. It has not been declassified for the Congress. So she can't go there and testify with something that they haven't been cleared to see yet. Yates followed up with the White House lawyers on Friday. They never responded. Now, that's a key line. They never responded. And the same day, Nunes canceled the hearing. Press Secretary Sean Spicer said technically the White House didn't stop her testimony. The White House did not respond and took no action that prevented Ms. Yates from testifying. Right now, I should be sitting in a hearing and the American people should be hearing from Sally Yates. Democrat Eric Swalwell is a member of the Intelligence Committee. This is what cover-up behavior looks like. Oof. So That's this, an accusation. This guy is uh, is butt buddies with Schiff, Adam Schiff. Uh, he's uh, Schiff's uh, right-hand guy in this uh, committee. And so they're working together. And this is a game of politics. This is a politician manipulating you right now. And they're using terms like transparency to pull on the things that you like. What's happening here is the entire this entire thing is being spun. So there's this letter that was sent that says you need to check with us first. 
as and be, and the, the 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 lack of response from the White House is being spun as as in, instead of the White House trying to stop her, Nunes is stopping for the White House, so they don't have to step up and take executive action. That's how it's being spun. Right. Uh, but the problem is, and that's why having both letters is important, is because the if you had the other letter, you would know. That the request was the White House not respond if they want her to proceed with the testimony. The request was that they take no action, do not respond if you want her to testify. That so okay, this this makes it here. And lastly, I want to make a comment on a false report regarding former acting Attorney General Sally Yates. As a matter of fact, I'd like to walk you through the sequence of events just to make sure that everyone's abundantly clear on what happened. On March 14th, Chairman Nunez and ranking member Schiff invited Sally Yates to testify. On March 28th, I want to stop right there. Nunes was one of the, Devin was one of the guys that invited her to testify to begin with. Right. So it's kind of weird that he'd be now trying to prevent her from testifying when he's the one that invited her to testify. Moving on. Well, maybe it's to make himself look good. He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have to be, he doesn't hack technically have to be running this entire investigation. That's true. On March 23rd, Sally Yates' attorney sent a letter to the Department of Justice asking for their consent to testify without constraints. On March 24th, the Department of Justice responded that the president owns those privileges to discuss the communications they were requesting to talk about and referred them to the White House. All right. So that's why they were referred to the White House. This is important. Now, follow along. These papers are published on the Washington Post website. Also on the 24th, Ms. Yates' attorney sent a letter to the White House counsel requesting that consent, specifically stating that if they did not receive a response by March 27th at 10 a.m., they would, quote, conclude that the White House does not assert executive privilege over these matters. The White House did not respond and took no action. The letter that she sent literally said, if you don't respond, we'll conclude you take no executive action and we can proceed. That's what the letter said. So the White House didn't respond. That prevented Ms. Yates from testifying. That's the story. That's what the documents show. And with that, I'm glad to take some questions. Of course you can, John Roberts. Uh, I'd like to follow on that because there, there are reports that even though the hearing that was set for the 27th was not scheduled, it was canceled by Devin Nunes to prevent this White House from publicly uh, invoking a claim of executive privilege. Could you speak to that? I hope she testifies. I look forward to it. It was never, they, let's be honest, the hearing was never, was actually never notified. If they choose to move forward, great. We have no problem with her testifying, plain and simple. The report in the Washington Post is 100% false. The letters that they frankly publish on their website all back up everything I just read. All of the letters are available on their website. I hate to give them the traffic. But the reality is, is that they specifically say, if you don't respond, we're going to go ahead. We didn't respond. We them to go ahead. But to suggest in any way, shape, or form that we stood in the way of that is 100% false. I think I think what what could be happening, what could be happening, well, I'll tell you what. You know what? I'll move on. Remember my point? I said the narrative never stops. Yeah, that so keeps going. those letters are on the Washington Post website. You yep. can read them. All of it's there. It's You don't have to take Sean's word for it. It's all up there. Despite that, despite those letters, despite the fact that CBS has reporters at that press conference where he talks through all of that, they then run another report. A CBS News poll out this morning finds many Americans disagree with the president when he says the Trump-Russia story is a hoax. 
It's and, and it's funny they lead with that too. See, they do this all the time at CBS. They they lead with a with a right to right to the right to Trump. And they with a with a poll like they'll start with the president's poll numbers slid again today. They, that's what they lead with, and then they proceed into the story. And they will not reflect any of that information that was just in that press conference, even though that press conference took place yesterday. This report was ran today. Fifty nine percent say it is very likely or somewhat likely that Trump associates had improper communications with Russia's government. 40% of people in our poll approve of President Trump's job performance, and that is nearly unchanged from last month. Now, the White House denies trying to block former acting Attorney General Sally Yates from testifying to Congress about Russia. The president fired Yates in January after she told Justice Department lawyers not to defend the first version of his refugee and travel ban. Jeff Pegues is on Capitol Hill with the new controversy over Sally Yates. Jeff, good morning. Good morning. The House investigation has officially stalled, bogged down by finger pointing and accusations. The latest flashpoint is the testimony of Sally Yates, who was also the official who informed the White House that former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn had misled the vice president about his contacts with the Russian ambassador. The White House did not respond and took no action that prevented Ms. Yates from testifying. You see how they intentionally cut out the part where they talk about their letter says, do not respond? Exactly. Yeah. They, they, at this, but they took the, they, they, they have the footage of the press conference. Right, they, they have the full thing. They just choose not to play that part of it, it because they can still make the narrative work even from that press conference by selectively editing. Russian ambassador. The White House did not respond and took no action that prevented Ms. Yates from testifying. An exasperated Sean Spicer dismissed accusations that the White House sought to delay former acting attorney general Sally Yates from testifying. We encouraged them to go ahead, but to suggest in any way, shape or form that we stood in the way of that is 100 percent false. CBS News has obtained this letter from the Trump Justice Department to the attorney representing Yates. It warns that there is a limit to what she could reveal in her testimony and that she needs to consult with the White House. On the same day she received this letter, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Congressman Devin Nunes, canceled Yates's scheduled testimony. You hear the feedback they have on yeah. their own production there? The yeah. editor. Anyways, they don't mention the other letter. No yeah. mention of the other letter. No second letter. Even though the second letter is publicly available. That's it gets strange. stranger and stranger. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Yeah, frankly, strange. more bizarre every day. Yeah. So these these people, these these politicians, are aware of how classification works. They're aware of restrictions, and they they are aware yeah. of the fact that things have not been declassified for the Congress because this is standard run of the mill operation. This happens every single day. This is something that happens every day for them in, in the intelligence committees. So they all know how this works. Right. Adam Schiff, yep. this guy, they all know, but they're making a big stink out of it. They all they all realize that there was two letters that said, if you don't respond, we will proceed. They all know it, but it doesn't stop them from just making hay. Since Nunes announced late last week that he had been shown intercepted communications involving members of the Trump transition team, the House Intelligence Committee investigation into Russian meddling in the election has been in disarray. A lot of politics, people get heated, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to involve myself. On Tuesday, Nunes was facing more questions about whether he was working with the White House to delay his committee's investigation while also dismissing calls for him to step aside. Are you going to stay? It's chairman to run this investigation. Well, why would I not? This is what cover-up behavior looks like. This guy again. Now, what I find, uh, it's funny how they keep reusing some of those clips, but I, 
it's like they can't get other they can't get other Democrats to go on the record to say crap like this. So they all they all know they all know what's going on. I have a theory as to why there's been a delay. Okay, I think that the NSA is working on the revelation of what happened to some degree. There's going to be some information there. Somebody's working on that. They're getting they're going through their hoops of getting it declassified, and then they're going to dump it. And Nunes has been, or Devin, has been making suggestions about it coming, and the judge made suggestions about it coming. Yeah. And I think what they're doing is they're they're trying to tread water until this comes, because it's going to change the entire dynamic of the discussion, right. what sense information is revealed. The going to the White House, sense. the going to the White House looks bad because it's the optics of it are simply, the, you know, you're going to where Trump is at. But it, he claims, Nunes claims, that no one at the White House knew he was there. Uh, he says he didn't talk to anyone at the White House before he had his meeting at the skid. Oh, no, I think I've been I've been very clear. There was no. Uh, and a matter of fact, I've been very clear on this for, for many, many weeks now. Uh, there was no wiretapping of Trump Tower. That didn't happen. Yes. Was he was he Members of Congress have suggested on the record that your Wednesday press conference might have been orchestrated by the White House. Can you say categorically can you deny it? Yes, I can, because uh, it was exactly as I told you. Were you here on Wednesday? I was. Okay, so I came out here. And I told you all that I was going to the I was going to go to the White House. I had talked to the White House. My staff had talked to the White House earlier that day to act to request a meeting with the president. And I had not talked to the and I had not talked to the president before that. I think that's the key piece right there. Yeah. Uh, now, what I think also must be true is there must be a log. Somebody they had to they you don't oh, yeah. just walk up to the he, White House. Well, as you heard, you know his staff had to make the the appointment, make the connection for him. So it's not like you know he just walks up, rings a doorbell. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. But the house in disarray, it's time for the adults to step up, Chase. This investigation scope will go wherever the intelligence leads it. So this is the Senate, and uh, as is typical in American politics, the House is looked at as like the kids, the youngsters, the rambunctious group. The Senate's the adults. They're the ones that come uh, in and save yeah. everybody. And uh, it's with that attitude that they're going to proceed into their investigation. So it is absolutely crucial that every day we spend trying to separate fact from fiction, and to find some intelligence thread that sends us to the factual side of all the names and all the places that you in this room have written about. Just the fact that you say it doesn't mean it's fact. We will get to the bottom of this. Richard and I have known each other a long time. And the chairman and I both have a serious concern about what the Russians have done and continue to do around the world. And I'll come back to this in a moment when we talk about tomorrow's hearing. But some of the techniques that Russia used in this election, as we find more and more, I think would send a chill down anyone who believes in a democratic process in this country. So that's so now we're going to have an FBI investigation, a House investigation and a Senate investigation. And your friend McCain My buddy. and uh, Schiff and others want also a 9-11 style panel investigation, a fourth investigation. Oof. You know what we really got to do is we got to get our head around RT. As a former tech guy, what really concerns me... Because he's a tech guy. Oh, tech guy. So he's a former tech guy. Former, and he's, te- former he's got, tech guy. He's got you, a real you're not concern. tech anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, uh, I wonder, can we... Uh, do you think Do you think, uh, Do you you think? think Google would know how many uh, households uh, RT is in? Do you think Google <laughs> would have that answer? I, I'm going to try it. I See. don't know. How many households is the RT network in? See if it knows that. Nah, it doesn't know that. Uh, it looks like, uh, oh boy, oof, jeez, really? 
Uh, according to RT's page, they get 2.5 million distribution. That is tiny. Yeah, well, because they're not on any cable system, so you have to go to the internet or or satellite uh, or yeah. Roku box or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. There's some areas like a, like they have more saturation. Looks like in Spanish cable areas. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so the real problem is RT. He says because he's a tech guy, so he knows. Is at least some reports, and we've got to get to the bottom of this. That there were upwards of a thousand paid internet trolls oh! working out of a facility in Russia. Oh no, we call those bots now. <laughs> in effect, taking over a series of computers, which are then called a botnet. Oh, okay, okay, okay. They can then generate news. So, according to these people, this is really incredible. Uh, a thousand Russian paid trolls took the, each one of them got a botnet. So you imagine that yeah. a thousand people with a thousand botnets. No wonder Trump won. Nice. Down to specific areas. It's been reported to me, and we've got to find this out, whether they were able to, in effect, specific areas in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. This guy's a character. Where you would not have been receiving off of your, your whoever your vendor might have been. Oh, my God. Trump versus Clinton. He's saying, he's saying, that, uh, he's saying that Joe American... Yeah. Doesn't care about politics. So instead of getting football in their feed, all of a sudden they started getting news articles in their feed about Hillary being sick. During the waning days of the election. But instead, Clinton is sick or Clinton is taking money from from um, some source. See, those are called stories. Those are things people are reporting. Remember when she collapsed at the 9-11 ceremony? Yeah. Remember how, remember how yeah. Bill Clinton took a whole bunch of money to do speeches in Russia? Like, these are these are actual stories. Those You could you could also do great stories on Trump's ties, right? So these are all legitimate stories. Fake news. No, see, that's not fake news. That's just reporting on stories that you don't like. We've also seen as well um, the fact that if you think about, the fact. if you look... Just to, for example, if you think about you look, it's a fact. If you in fact, if you think about you look, if you Google election hacking during the period leading up to the uh, the election and immediate afterwards, you wouldn't get Fox or ABC or New York Times or uh, what you get is four out of the first five news stories that popped up were Russian propaganda, RT News, Sputnik, others. And now, what I find, it seems to betray almost an ignorance because RT was writing a lot about that. And it probably because they were trying to counter a narrative. But you see, if you are the only one writing about WikiLeaks, if you're the only one writing. You're only going to get the results. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's. it's, it's a he doesn't understand what Google juice means. Exactly. <laughs> like once, once another network, a large network, once a mainstream network starts covering a topic, it dominates the Google and, results. And usually Google is, is really good at combating against automated pushes of any kind of story, any kind of thing. And, and, and so, you know, when you hear about these bots trying to gain, uh, or I'm sorry, game uh, Google's al algorithms, it, do it just doesn't work. Yeah, and Google's always, always ahead of the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I just, I, I, I don't want to try to come off as like some RT defendant, because I think they're, when they, they're obviously, they obviously have an agenda, they have a horrible production quality, they have zero influence, and they don't really seem to move the dial at all. In fact, uh, you know, do you know there was another guy? I discovered this. Another guy made the same claim Judge Napolitano made. Oh, really? Like two weeks earlier on Whoa. RT. Oh, on RT. And nobody said anything, because wow. nobody watches RT. Right. Nobody watches. I want to talk about who we should be freaking out. Not Putin, not not RT, Erdogan. Frickin' Erdogan. Just really quickly, we got to talk about this. 
With less than a month to go until referendum day, momentum appears to be in favor of President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the ruling AK party and its allies in the Yes campaign. So there's a bunch of constitutional restructuring going on in Turkey to give Erdogan a lot more power. On Saturday in Çanakkale, thousands of Turks showed their support for the constitutional reforms being championed by Erdogan and to hear his fiery rhetoric. There are nearly three million electors abroad. They prevented us from reaching them. So the German government is cracking down on election campaigning in Germany for Turkey elections. So it turns out a lot of a lot of Turks live outside of Turkey, like they live in Germany. And so they're going to Germany and holding rallies there for Erdogan instead of back home because he's got more support outside of home wow. than he does back home. And so Germany, this is starting, it's becoming a huge problem. Germany is starting to complain that the population doesn't like it. People are getting rowdy. So they started cracking down and Erdogan's pissed about it. He's pissed because he needs these votes to restructure the constitution to give him more power. Germany, the Netherlands, Austria, Switzerland, Denmark, whoever they are, it makes no difference. Your president has always stood determined and he will continue to do so. What they have done has no place in international law. You cannot shut doors to a minister of a country. That has no place in international law. If you continue acting this way, you will be receiving reciprocal actions from Turkey. Following the diplomatic rift with the Netherlands and other European countries, the Yes campaign has billed itself as a vote for nationalism and Turkish pride. That message resonates with many, including the Opposition Nationalist Movement Party, or MHP, which also supports the constitutional reforms. Uh, Bird in the chat room says there's 5 million Turks living in Germany. I, wow. I haven't seen that stat, but yeah. So then, uh, as, a, as a response, as a response, Erdogan makes an unbelievable statement that if Putin had said this, it, we, we'd be at World War III. Once again, I call on Europeans who shake their fingers at us. Turkey is not a country that you can toss back and forth. Turn its ministers back from its gates and drag its citizens over the ground. If you continue acting this way, nowhere in the world can any European, any Western, safely, peacefully set foot on the streets. If you open this dangerous path, you will suffer the most. As Turkey, we invite European countries to respect our democracy, human rights, and freedoms. That's totally insane. Wow. He just threatened Europeans on the streets with, I guess, some sort of violence. Oh, he said reciprocal action. <laughs> what does that mean? Exactly. And then, and on top of that, he's threatened to just open the immigrant gates and flood Europe with immigrants. Or, uh, not immigrants, but... Um, like uh, refugees, refugees, refugees. refugees. I, I was thinking victims kept coming to mind. Victims, but that's, that's not what we call them, I guess. We call them refugees. Recep Tayyip Erdogan has once again vowed to re-examine all political and administrative ties with the EU after a constitutional referendum in April. Speaking to CNN Turk, he warned that the review of Ankara's relations with Europe would include a deal to curb illegal migration to the bloc.
We can continue our economic relations with the European Union, he said, but we may need to review our political and administrative ties. We will sit down and talk with our government and review everything from A to Z. Including, including the uh, refugees. Oy. So uh, that's who we should be freaking out about. Not Putin. Not not Putin. Uh, Mr. Chase, I yes, don't, do you have much you want to talk about in the healthcare stuff, or do you want to move to the high note? Let's move to the high note. All right. Oh, do actually, you, let's move. Do you have, do you have a sack? Do I, you have, uh, man, do you not, I, I not only have a sack, Chris, but I have a Texas-sized oh! sack for you. <laughs> this is for the Lone Star State. That's Texas. And this is for Chris, because he's heading out to Texas... <laughs> What, tomorrow, right? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, this time tomorrow. This time tomorrow, Chris. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm freaking out. There's so to much Texas. to do. So we have a Texas send-off for Mr. Chris Fisher. And we had uh, Club 33 chime in. Landon says, hey, have you and Chris... Uh, actually, I should do this in a Texas accent. You know, have you and Chris talked about doing an unfiltered live from Austin edition, we could get Alex Jones to be a special guest. I got somebody. Well, it's 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 unlikely because I'll probably have to do it on my way back. But I have there is somebody that might be way better than uh, uh, Alex Jones. There is a friend of the show, Good. some a, a, a key member of our show. A member of our show. Producer Matt lives down there. Oh, that's right. He lives down there. So I, if it was possible, I'd want to do a show down there so he could be on there for yeah, one episode. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I, I don't, I, here's the thing. Yeah. I get down, I get down into Austin like maybe late night the 4th, like after dark late. Yeah. I started Dell at like 8 a.m. the 5th. Wow. We dude, work until the end of the day. And then we do schedule. that, we do that the 5th, the 6th, and the 7th. And then we're, I don't know when we're leaving, probably somewhere around there. Wow. So it's going to be, but I'm hoping like Saturday or something we'll have meetups and stuff like wow. that. All right, continue on. All right. Uh, and then finally, hey. Bear Tuna wrote in and has said, hey, uh, well, as you may or may not know, uh, Brexit is confirmed as of today. We'll have a clip about it in the overtime. That's right, as the infamous Article 50 has been triggered. What I find amusing is how the EU officials are calling it blackmail when Faye said, Failure to reach an agreement would mean our cooperation in the fight against crime and terrorism would be weakened. Given that the GCHQ probably doesn't, you know, dominates any European intelligence network, I say it's more of a case of the fox and the sour grapes. I don't expect you to cover such shenanigans, but at least we get to talk about it inside of Chase's sack. That's right. If you want to get in Chase's sack, become a patron at patreon.com slash unfilter. Any level is helpful. Letting people know about this show, getting engaged in our subreddit, also very helpful. Yes. If you want to keep us going, patreon.com slash unfilter. And thank you to our patrons for, for supporting the show. Overtime is coming up, and it is dedicated to you. When you get in Club 33, not only do you get swag, but you also get... Inside my sack! Woo! That's thank right. Thank you very much to our patrons. Thank you, everybody, at patreon.com. Slash unfilter, and that concludes Chase's set. By the way, Chris, just to let everybody know, you know, we had a spot open up at Club 33 last week, and, oh. it, and, and literally, I was watching it because we get alerts when people change their pledges, and you know, obviously, people have different things that happen all the time. 
I literally saw someone change their pledge. They jumped out of Club 33, and within 20 minutes, someone That's jumped awesome. in. That's awesome. Good, so, good. So it's, remember, it's you guys can get on the waiting list for Club 33 and become the ultimate unfiltered investor. Thanks so much, you guys. Really All right, appreciate let's, it. Or, yes, thank you very much. Let's wrap it up on a high note. Uh, Canada Day 2018 is going to be a big day. <laughs> well, in terms of the timing, Andrew, a couple of things. First of all, April 10th, that's the week the Liberals are planning to introduce the legislation to make marijuana legal in this country and to do so by Canada Day of next year. That's the plan. That's what we know about the timing. In terms of the details, we know that Ottawa plans to put it, itself in charge of uh, making sure that the supply is safe and secure of marijuana in this country, and they would also be in charge of providing uh, the licenses for producers in Canada. Uh, there are other question marks, though, particularly on the provincial front, because the provinces would be in charge of a lot of controversial things, including how and where to sell marijuana, at what price. And while Ottawa would uh, set a minimum age of 18, provinces would be in charge of deciding if they want to raise that age or not. So that's where the devil may lie, is with what the providence decide to do. But uh, four plants at home and 18 this is a better deal than you get here do, in the states. Do, do you think, Chris, that you know Canada is so damn tempting? And, dude. and, and, and by the way, July first is Canada Day. People are going to say it's going to be called Cannabis Day uh, up there. But do you think if this happens and this ends up going through and it's a sign sealed thing, we're going to see a, a, a big push here because then it, they're going to get like the big influx of of cannabis tourism? I think because it's it's completely going to be wide I, I open. I think it definitely there. will add to the momentum for yeah, sure. Yeah. I think the problem is once you start legalizing, you get bus drivers that get stoned. Now at five, a school bus driver is accused of being high behind the wheel, and the students that he was about to drive were actually the ones who knew that something was wrong. The kids, man, the kids ratted him out. Oh. Chelmsford police say he was about to take those high school students on a field trip. I'm David Wade. I'm Lisa Hughes. The students and teachers noticed an odd smell and immediately contacted the principal. <laughs> Can you imagine, dude? So they're like, I think this dude is big. I think he's high. So then they call up the principal. They're like, yeah, we're, we think our bus driver's big. Like, I wouldn't, like, all this is happening while kids are loading or something. Wow. Then the principal has to call the bus barn. Then the bus barn has to contact him. That is so embarrassing. Yeah. WBZ's Jim Smith is live in Lowell tonight with our story. WBZ! I mean, he probably just wanted to get a little rip before he had to deal with all those <laughs> damn kids. And Lisa and David, those students are being commended by the Chelmsford police chief tonight for their quick action in reporting all of this. Meanwhile, the chief and prosecutors only have harsh words for that school bus driver. Here's what I think. He's coming down off of heroin or he's been coked out. He's still a little wigged out and he just wants to smooth things out with a little pop before he starts driving those kids <laughs> around. That's a, you know, maybe he's had a few drinks. I, you know, he just wants to smooth things out. Yeah. Just tell us what happened today. No, no I got nothing to say. School oh, bus man, driver poor guy. Ali Mafouz had little to say after leaving court just a short time ago. I bet they blackmailed him. He said, dude, if you don't share, we're going to report you. <laughs> He's accused of being high on marijuana as he was about to pick up a group of Chelmsford High School students for a field trip. Police and school officials moved in you know, after being tipped off by students. You know, to be fair, Chris, you know, those kids on field trips are can be a, a I know, man. ones. And, you I know, know, what are you going to do? You know what you do? You put the kids on pot. On the outside, you wouldn't be able to tell this is where kids are getting pot. You see what I said? What's <laughs> up, little buddy? High five. Yeah. <laughs> On the inside, you'd have to search for the signs. This is a medical marijuana dispensary. How you doing? You're Kids like eight-year-old Zoe Redinor, who suffers from ADHD, ADD, extreme, say the drug is improving their lives. 
I went up four grade levels in school. Her mother, Sherry Poe, says Zoe's life was drastically different on prescription drugs. She started getting ticks, crying all the time. Um, at one point, she told me that she didn't want to live anymore. I think one thing that's a little undersold is how uh, intense ADHD medication is for children, because I was on it for a long, 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 long time. And uh, it's hardcore. Nobody, nobody says to mom and dad, "Hey, uh, by the way, uh, your kid's gonna have a come down every evening, and he's gonna crash from uh, basically meth in the evening right before dinner." Nobody Ooh. tells mom and dad that. Yeah. And as a kid, you don't know you're having a crash. All of a sudden, you know that your body feels weird and everything. And like you don't really know what's going on. And it, and the other thing is, they don't tell you that it totally screws with your appetite. See, when the thing is, when I was on ADHD, ADHD medication, uh, Ritalin or whatever it was at the time. Uh, it totally, completely, completely su suppressed my appetite. I would maybe eat one meal a day, and it would be dinner. And uh, I was rail thin, rail thin. And then I stopped taking the ADHD medication, and I had an appetite, and I put on a ton of weight after that. And it's I've never really been able to get my weight down again. It's always and, – and the thing is, is I went from probably fifth grade to – maybe my junior year on, on medication. So it was like this huge transition to make as a junior yeah, senior. Wow. And uh, nobody tells you what the kids are going to go through. Like they don't, they don't properly describe because it would freak parents out. In fact, I think that if they're going to make kids take this stuff, they should have the parents take it one night. Just the pair, make the parents take it for one night before you take your kids on it. Like you'd be riding the bus and your heart's just racing like crazy because you took it a little bit extra early that morning. So your come down's coming on while you're still on the bus oh, and you man. got the cold sweats. Like nobody tells you that's going to happen. Oof. And none of that happens with cannabis. With just a few drops of the cannabis infused oil a day and a year and a half later, there's been a vast improvement. Way, she sleep? I don't know if you noticed that was CBD oil. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there, there's that's been also not, so yeah. much stuff that's been yeah. showing the great positives yeah. of this. I think that's Amazing. probably what people, you know, when we think about pot, there's the, when we talk about pot, when we talk about using it for medicinal purposes, there's so much baggage with what, you know, oh, look at yeah. this, we're going to make kids slackers, you know. But with, but, the, but the things like, the, the, the realities of things like CBD oil, I think, are as people start to learn about it, and I think the coverage is starting to shift because I remind you, this is Fox News. Yeah. This is a pretty positive piece on starting Fox News. Starting to shift. So I think this I think the coverage is starting to shift. People will start to understand and learn more that there's different types of cannabis. There's there's things like CBDs, there's oils, you don't have to smoke it. There's been a vast improvement. She sleeps, she's gained weight, she's happy, she smiles, she laughs. It's a similar outcome shared by many families who have come here today. The seizures have reduced by 90%. What it does is called neuropsychophysiology. It makes the neurons flow back and forth and communicate. There's no other medication in the world that does that. It's beautiful. Come on in. Jason David is the president of Jaden's Journey, a dispensary named after his son and one which caters to kids. If it doesn't work, throw it away. But how can you try and it changes the rest of your life like it's changing my son's life? One of his youngest epilepsy patients, Zaya Mao, just turned six months old. Her father, Joseph Mao, believes this is a better alternative to prescription drugs. We notice, it's, like I said, she feels present. Her eyes is not as wobbly as it used to be. And Mao says his daughter's doctor is not advising against it. But she's not totally against it. You know, she's always open, you know. Doctors always open to help anybody they can. A quarter million people die a year from pharmaceuticals. The same ones we give our children. Yes. And no one says a word. When a child is sick, the whole family is sick. And someone has to make a change. All right, so I, I want to play another video for you. Now, of course, I'm sure you could maybe find a video where somebody gets the uh, CBD oil 
and they don't have a difference. So we talked about the kids. Now, here's an adult. This is a man with severe Parkinson's, and he tries cannabis oil for the first time. Now, wow. this is going to be a little hard for I re- the- I remember seeing this. This is a little hard for the audio, but he walks into the room, and he's having a hard time even moving about the room. How you feeling? It's kind of been a rough week. Really? He can't stay still. He's all over the place. And the best way to take it is to put it under your tongue. He can barely get it to his mouth. He's moving around so much. So he puts the cannabis oil under his tongue. And rub it in your cheek. Don't do too much. You're going to be asleep all, all afternoon. You know what you should do? No. Don't try to communicate. Just relax. See what happens. So they, they make a cut from 1.37 p.m. to 1.41 p.m. So four minutes. And now he's laid out, he's still, he's relaxed on the couch. Wow. This is his first time, he sits up. I think you're calmed down. So quickly. Isn't that amazing? His hands are steady. He used just a single drop, and his hands afterwards were rock steady. And the dyskinesia left. It works most of the time. In fact, it's... Uh... <laughs> Did you guys eat lunch? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got the lunch. Yeah, I don't... Good for him. I'm not saying it's it's going to be a miracle for everybody, no. but it, it seems to be there is something very, very, very much worth pursuing there. Yep. That's what I'd say. It's it's what you call a, a truly homeopathic med- medicine. And it's a, like a, a weed that grows everywhere. <laughs> it's not even like in limited supply. No. If only there was a way to control it, productize it, maybe we could make big money. Big, big, big money, 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 money. Yeah, but pharma's going to be up against you on that, man. Well, they're because the ones that are going to do it. That's right. In the meantime, help us with content on filteredireddit.com. We'll be on the road next week. Hopefully, we'll be back probably live from Chase's studio next time. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, we're going to have to work out some more. Or you could come here if you want. Yeah, that might be easier. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. fine, too. Yeah. Either way, in the meantime, follow me at ChrisLAS for adventures. Follow me on the vlog where I'll be vlogging the trip, youtube.com slash Chris Fisher and Mr. Nunes. If so? people want to follow me, oh boy, you're in for a ride if you do. At Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. And by the way, I've been doing a lot of stuff over on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash TV. Just picked up the new edition of MLB The Show 17 for PlayStation 4. Great title. A lot of fun, so certain that off as well. Cool, man. That yeah, does sound cool. Keep yeah. an eye on our live calendar at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Because not only can you join us live, which we love. Yes. And you can participate in our new IRC room, irc.geekshed.net, pound, hashtag, or unfiltered. There's also the, I always say, there's a Jupiter Broadcasting one, too. Yeah. Uh, And we'd love to have you there. Check the calendar, though. You'll know when we're going to be back live. You can also subscribe to the RSS feed. That way you just get the damn show automatically when we put it out. Yes. All right, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget that subreddit, unfiltered.reddit.com, and the network at Jupiter Signal. We love you. We love yous. Stick around for overtime. Thanks so much for being here, and we'll see you right back here in two Two weeks. weeks. Yeah, that's right.
developing now. It's a breaking story. Your unfiltered show's not over. No frenzy overtime's just beginning. Brought to you by Patreon.com slash unfilter. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Thank you! To our patrons, this segment supported and brought to you by you. How about that? Doing something for yourself. Keeping the show going. Getting an overtime segment. Proud of you. Thank you this week to Chair, Sam, Elijah, Luke, Kyle, D, and Robin. Thank you to our new patrons for signing up at patreon.com slash unfilter. I got, I got, I got all kinds of feedback last week about the Yo Nancy segment. So, <laughs> and so we're going to start out the overtime once again. We got a special spicy edition of the, uh, of the Yo Nancy segment. Let's start, though, with uh, my, my favorite person to talk about, really, in O'Nancy these days, is Maxine Waters. And I understand now. You see, I thought she was part of the Democratic establishment because she raised money. Because she raised the money. She's really good at raising money. So I thought, you know, that's why. She keeps, she keeps going. She gets reelected. She's back in there. She's on her 12th term. She makes money. That's why she keeps... Maxine Waters, she says crazy things, but she keeps getting reelected because of money. Nope. Chris is wrong. You see, I was wrong about that. I shouldn't have gone shouldn't have gone by campaign financing. I should have gone by money that she's raised. I shouldn't have gone by special interest groups. I shouldn't have gone by those metrics. What I should have gone by is patriotism. That's right. Because Maxine Waters is a real patriot. Now hold on. Before we go here, this clip I'm about to play of Maxine is in a bit of a controversy. In a bit of a controversy. We are going to, just a full disclosure, trigger warning, going to get real. We're going to go a little bit into the controversy, just, just for a brief moment, but it is not, we're not going to spend a lot of time in it. So brace yourselves, but first, here is the clip itself. This is the clip itself. What am I saying? I'm simply saying that African Americans have struggled and fought historically. Many African Americans have paid a huge price fighting for justice and equality in this country, have died for it. I don't have to call the names of Martin Luther King and all of the others. Uh, but you just did by doing that. You just said that. You just named Rob Martin Luther King. For it. I don't have to call the names of Martin Luther King and all of the others. We have paid a price. We have fought. But guess what? Despite the fact that America has not always been there for us. We have always been there for America. We have fought in America's wars. We have suffered discrimination. We have, dis we have suffered isolation and undermining. But we stand up for America, oftentimes when others who think they are more patriotic, who say they are more patriotic, do not. When we Damn. fight against this president, and we point out That's right. how dangerous he is mm -hmm. for this society and mm -hmm. for this country. That's right. We're fighting for the democracy. Damn right. We're fighting for America. Damn right. We're saying to those who say they're patriotic, but they turned a blind eye to the destruction that he's about to, to cause this country. You're not nearly as patriotic as we are. Mm. We not only... Uh -huh. Have fought in America's wars. All right. Have stood up for America. Okay. Have been there uh -huh. whenever this this country was threatened in any way. What? What? I'm sorry. I was kind of following you. Um, 
Can you say that again? We not only uh-huh. have fought in America's wars. Okay. All right. But if you are true patriots and Americans, aren't they also your wars? Aren't we all... So are you not... I mean, you make it... Have stood uh, up for America, uh-huh. have been there... Okay. ...whenever this, this country was threatened in any way. Yeah, I really have no idea what you say. I, I don't... I, I'm not, I have no idea what you're saying. I have no idea what you just said. I, I, I don't know what you're saying. I, I, I'm sorry. What now? Okay, just do that last piece for me again. ...tree was threatened in any way. When this country was threatening, you'd be like... So are you saying are you saying you were there when we're threatening other countries? Is that what you're this country was threatening anyway? Uh, okay, whatever. And we say now that this country is threatened uh-huh. with a president who does not belong there. Okay. A president who does not how this government works. Okay. A president who goes down to Mar a Lago every weekend and plays golf. Oh, oh He's not she, she did. huddling with the members of Congress <laughs> and trying to figure out how to form a consensus. Wow. But rather, he thought he could come in here and run roughshod oh. over everybody. But that's how he works. That's, that's right. how he acts. Mm-hmm. He's not good for America. Now you though, you don't run roughshod. No, you don't run no, you don't do any of those things. African Americans know this. They know it. They can tell. They can smell it. They can smell it, you know. So after uh, after a speech like that, pretty fired up, you got to go to Fox to get the real analysis. And when you need the heavy lifting done, who do you bring in but Papa Bear? As patriotic as we are. So what does that mean, Bill? We've been listening all morning. We cannot. I, I didn't hear a word she said. <laughs> now, okay. So I'm not a big fan of Maxine Waters. There's a lot of directions you could go with your criticism of Maxine Waters. This is where the trigger warning came in. I warned you, children. This is the thing. If I were Bill, I'd probably go off on the fact that she's incompetent, the fact that she doesn't really get much done, the fact that she's mostly just a money raiser, the fact that the money, the media runs her because she runs her mouth and that gets them ratings. There's so many ways you could take a particular criticism. So they go to Papa Bear. They say, Papa Bear, what do you think, Big Papa? What do you we think? We are. So what does that mean, Bill? We've been listening all morning. We cannot. I, I didn't hear a word she said. <laughs> I, was, I was looking at the James Brown wig. <laughs> That's what you go with? Making fun of her hair? (laughs) (laughs) If we have a picture of James, it's the same one. It's the same one. Right. And he's not using it anymore. You guys are all all wrong about this. I have to defend her on Yeah. That's, you know, he's already gotten criticized for it. In fact, he's already tried to apologize. Hillary Clinton's already slammed him in a speech. Yes, that Hillary Clinton. It is, it was a dumb thing to say. I mean, it, I mean, it's, I guess, uh, what are you doing, Bill? What are you doing? There's so many different ways. Dude, he tried to then turn the criticism by turning it up, but in his show, but it was, oh boy, it's awkward. Um, anyways, that's going to get used. That's going to get, that's going to get some traction. Now let's talk about Nancy. That's well, it's called old Nancy after a while. So as you know, uh, the Trump care uh, was uh, pulled at the last minute. The vote, before the vote, they pulled it. They, it's a collapse. It's a total failure. The, 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 it's, a total, it's a total failure. And it's a great day for the American people. Nancy Pelosi says as she goes and just kind of takes credit. Good afternoon. I'm very proud to be here with the House Democratic leadership. I'm already offended. Literally, I'm already offended. I'm triggered, guys. I'm triggered. Because you know why? She already, because she's honored. She's honored as if they accomplished something. As if it was Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer who swooped in and saved America from Trump care. It's as if it was their work. The unity of our House Democratic members was very important message to the country. You did nothing. You couldn't even get behind a single brand. You couldn't get behind a single slogan. 
Make America Sick Again was one of them. You On this show, we chronicled at least three different attempts from the Democratic Party to have a slogan. Unity, the only unity that you had was that you didn't want it to pass. Uh, that we are very proud of the Affordable Care Act. Yesterday, as you know, was the seven-year anniversary of the president signing the bill. They really do treasure this thing. She's not bullshitting you. They I mean, they, to them, this is their baby. This thing, is, it, it's, their, it's their little baby. And the American people expressed their support for it. That message became very clear uh, to our colleagues uh, on the Republican side of the aisle. Yeah, I don't know. It's nearly 4 million Americans early numbers show that are not paying it. Uh, that's, not, that's not bad. I wonder if people will drop out now that, some, now that it failed to pass. What really gets me about this is Bernie Sanders did more, or really, you know who did you know who did the most? You know who did the most to sink this thing was Planned Parenthood and other interest groups that had a big stake in this. They got the awareness out. They got the awareness out. They got calls in. That's what killed this thing. It wasn't Nancy Pelosi. It wasn't it wasn't the Democratic leadership. It's it, they they basically did absolutely nothing. It didn't pass. Either way, though, it doesn't matter because now Trump's just totally ineffective. Okay, it's time to discuss the legislative leadership and powers of the presidency. And it is impossible, impossible to exaggerate the enormity of what happened to Donald Trump today. You you know, (laughs) I've heard that line a lot. I actually wouldn't be surprised if in three years we'd, it's completely – not even that long, but I'm just being generous. But in, in many years, it will not even be on our radar as an event. That's my personal guess. That's my, I, that's, I would guess that. Now, I, this is a bit of – one of the things that the O'Nancy segment has been pretty much been is Chris's rant against the establishment of the Democratic Party, who I've, I think is just essentially rot. They're bought out. They're corporatists, really. They're, it's – the, the, the establishment Democrats, like your Nancy Pelosi's and your Maxine Waters and your Schumer's and your others, are, are, are a lot like your Lindsey Graham's and your John McCain's. They're sort of this middleist corporatist. And so this segment's really been about my campaign for them to shake things up. Otherwise, the, they're just going to keep losing elections. And maybe, maybe, although I'm skeptical, but maybe we have our first sign of an actual shakeup. Change of regime means a whole new staff, not just in government, but also in political parties. Tom Perez is the new Democratic National Chairman. He has asked for resignation letters from everyone on the staff of the DNC. Whoa. Uh, he is now evaluating whether or not those people, this has been reported, by the way, by our colleagues at uh, NBCNews.com, uh, they, uh, he is evaluating which of those staffers he's going to stay on. Of course, the Democratic National Committee had a very rough... Tw- that's big, right? That seems, that seems like that's a cleaning of, of, of sorts. I don't know how many of those people will end up just coming back uh, with, with a different role or a different title, but... Uh... Could be the beginning of some necessary change. Could be the beginning of some positive change. Now we go back to Nancy. This is a couple of days ago. And uh, this is me chronicling the complete decline of the leadership. This is Nancy Pelosi at APAC. Or uh, A, it's, yeah, right? A-I-P-A-C. APAC. Sissy Swig from California. Anybody here from California? So this is Nancy Pelosi starting her speech. And uh, notice how she sort of, oh, I don't know, repeats the same greetings, the same introductions, solicits for applause again, and rambles on about grandkids, her father. I thought so. I 
I want to especially once again acknowledge the delegation from my home state of California. This is 45 seconds later in the speech. Don't be shy. When my, I, before I was even born, my father was in the Congress of the United States, Thomas D'Alessandro Jr. He was a... Okay, let's hear it for Dad. <laughs> oh, the laugh really is what gets me. The laugh. It's, it's just so good. It's... Oh, my gosh. You know, with... Uh, I, oh, wait, I can't. I can't cut her off, actually. I have to let her go because she... All, I gotta go back because she also... She also guilt rambles on about her grandkids. Most of my Jewish grandchildren. I think I have the most of anyone in Congress. I'm not quite sure, but uh, they're, they're adorable, you might expect me to say. <laughs> Is she a robot? Humans expect compassion about grandchildren, now delivering statement that matches expectation. What did she just say? What did she just say? Uh, they're, they're adorable. Okay, they're adorable. Okay. So she could have just stopped right there. Her mouth didn't need to produce any more words. You might expect me to say. The U.S.-Israel partnership. What? What just happened? Like the programming kicked in. Like the MK Ultra programming just kicked in. What just okay? One more time. We just I, I think we're watching. I think we're watching like multitasking on like an old computer. And like you know when you Alt Tab, but the computer is so slow, like it's got to redraw the window. That's Nancy Pelosi's brain. They're they're adorable. You might expect me to say. The U.S. Israel partnership. Is that freaky to you? Cause that 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 freaks me out. What just happened right there freaks me out. Let's hear it from my grandchildren. <laughs> What just happened? Then she went back. Okay, we got to watch the whole thing in context. Congress, I'm not quite sure, but uh, they're they're adorable. You're okay. Oh, okay. So I was wondering why did she mention the Jewish thing? Because she's at APAC. Of course, that's why she mentions the Jewish thing. Again, acknowledge the delegation from my home state of California. Don't be shy. When my, I, before I was even born, my father was in the Congress of the United States, Thomas D'Alessandro Jr. He was a... Okay, let's hear it for Dad. <laughs> it's so bad, dude. I'm cringing right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not happening. Look at that place. No, no way. No, no, look at that. No, no. Okay, all right, so let's... Uh... Okay, let's hear it for Dad. <laughs> And I do have to boast of my Jewish grandchildren. I think I have the most of anyone in Congress. I'm not quite sure. Is that the most disgusting pandering you have seen? So APAC, she's at APAC, which is, you know, rah-rah Israel. That's the whole conference is rah-rah Israel. Everybody comes up there. They talk about her undying allegiance to Israel. She goes up there and she says... I got, you know, I'm Jewish kind of because these grandkids, you know, my, my kids crapped out some kids and uh, I see them at like Christmas. Oh, shit. I mean, I mean, Hanukkah. I mean, Hanukkah. <laughs> I have the most of anyone in Congress. I'm not quite sure, but uh, they're, they're adorable, you might expect me to say. The U.S.-Israel partnership. Let's hear it from my grandchildren. I can't believe that just happened. Democratic leader, minority leader Nancy Pelosi at APAC asked for applause for her grandchildren. 
I wonder why Hillary didn't win, guys. I wonder why Hillary didn't win. U.S.-Israel partnership. Let's hear it from my grandchildren. <laughs> oh, God. The United States of America, uh-huh. an idea now centuries old. Uh-huh. The modern state of Israel, what? young in age, but the dream of millennial. Millennia. <laughs> And he continued, there is no better solution than two states for two peoples. Uh, okay. A Jewish state is A Jewish Israel. state. And, and what? Palestine? And an Arab state, Palestine. What? Palestine? What did she just say? What? Israel. And an Arab state, Palestine. Oh, dear. That was, uh... <laughs> oh. Oh. Now, Nancy, when she's outside of her, uh, her, her zone, which would be the podium, sometimes she can get a little thrown off. Well, I have always, I have been... As I- this is a town hall meeting with uh, Representative uh, Jackie Spear and Nancy Pelosi, and they're up like on a uh, school uh, stage. Down below the stage, there is a rope to make sure that the, uh, the people can't get too close to Nancy. They've been roped off down below. And uh, they're talking questions about health care. I said to my colleagues, I was on the streets holding signs for single payer 30 years ago before I ever went to Congress. So she's got this line about how I did this 30 years ago. I did this before you were born. And this is this is her go to whenever there's a heckler. Sorry? In the Affordable Care Act, in certain respects, we have gone to the left. Oh, God. Oh, no. Medicare. Yes. 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 Do you want to listen or you just want to speak? What? Speak, speak. We tried to mitigate for not getting single payer or public option by putting as many benefits in the bill as possible. And one of them, and listen up. Get ready, everybody. Here it comes. One of them is catastrophic coverage. Oh, okay. Oh. Great. Thanks. So we think that there are ways... I have been supporting it before you were born. Oh, there it was again. There she Everybody loves that line. That's always a favorite. That's a favorite one. Okay, so Nancy Pelosi, minority leader of the Democratic Party, was asked a question that she is uniquely qualified to answer. In fact, if anyone could answer this question correctly, it should be Nancy Pelosi. I know. You almost think I'm joking. You think I'm being sarcastic. I'm actually being 100% legitimate, 100% sincere. This is an easy question. It's called what's called in the business a softball. It's a softball. You've heard that term before. And Anderson Cooper, to get access, they love having access because one of the things about the news business is the real currency that they trade in is information and access. One of the reasons why the CNN network was so in with Hillary Clinton is because the Hillary Clinton campaign gave them access. And if you play ball, you continue to get more access. So same with now Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic establishment. They st- in CNN's estimation, it's probably a fair bet the establishment will remain in power. And therefore, it's probably a safe bet to uh, work behind the scenes with them and when possible, make them look best. So Anderson sits down with Nancy Pelosi and gives her the soft ball of the year. He asks, 
the House Minority Leader, or the, the uh, title, geez, you, see, I don't know. I'm not Nancy Pelosi, so I don't need to know these things. <laughs> but she should. But anyway, she is the Democratic Minority Leader. That That is correct. Uh, and she's asked, who, well, actually, you know what, I'll just let, it's just an unbelievable question. You would think she'd answer this question. He asked her. He asked her something that she can't manage. I, I just, I have to play this. I just, I have to play this for you. Who is the leader of the Democratic Party right now? Now, what's great about this is if you watch the CNN lower third on the screen, it's about to flip over and say Nancy Pelosi, minority leader. So he's literally asking her something that is answered on the lower third. Who is the leader of the Democratic Party right now? Now, is she going to say herself, guys? You think she's going to say herself? You think she's going to say, well, I am. Technically, I am. Uh, technically, I am. Uh, Chuck Schumer also is uh, very influential. And uh, who is the leader of the Democratic Party? right? OK. All right. Who is the leader, Nancy? Who Miss, Miss Minority Leader? Who is the leader of the Democratic Party? Yeah. Well, President Obama was the president of the United States until just a matter of a weeks ago. I, I don't think that he can be dismissed as the leader of the Democratic Party. The dude that's been on vacation for a month is the leader? That guy, that guy, that guy who's down swimming and fishing, that he's, no. A Hillary Clinton. What? What? Hillary Clinton? Did not win the election, but a respected leader. But we have, we have leaders for all different aspects of it. The Democratic Party is a congressional party, and we have leaders in Congress. Oh, oh God. And that is the problem right there. That is the problem right there. You know who the leader is, and this is why she couldn't answer the question. The leader is who's ever writing the checks. That's who the leader is. The leader is who's ever showing them the money. That's the leader. That's why she can't answer, because that's who the leader is. You see, that's the problem. And whoever raises the most money, whoever, whoever can keep the most money coming into the party, that's who's in charge. That's who's in charge of the party. She can't say that, though. But she's so stupid, instead of saying me, because then she'd be... She'd be, she'd be in the crosshairs for answers. She says, Barack Obama. Barack Obama. Who is the leader of the Democratic Party right now? Well, President Obama was the president of the United States until just a matter of a weeks ago. I, I don't think that he can be dismissed as the leader of the Democratic Party. Amazing. A Hillary Clinton. Incredible. This is a, this is a ship without a rudder. It's a ship without a rudder. Of course, maybe it is Obama. Maybe he's working behind the scenes. Maybe. Maybe he's got a secret op. After all, I heard uh, Valerie Jarrett moved into the house. You heard that, didn't you? Valerie Jarrett moved into Obama's house. Maybe he's the one pulling all of the levers on everything going on right now. Because, you know, I hear he has a massive database that knows all things. How do I know this? Because Maxine Waters runs her mouth. Made clear to 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 our viewers and yes. listeners is that look, this is the look. inauguration represented the beginning of his second term. Yes, but it also represented the countdown of the end of his presidency. That's right. And the reality is, uh, like anything else, you better get what you can while he's there because look, come 2016, look. that's it. Well, you know, I don't know. And I think some people are missing something here. Get ready for this one. The president has put in place an organization that contains the kind of database mm -hmm. that no one has ever seen before in life. That's going to be very, very powerful. And now, what, girl, what you talking about? A database? A database? 
an organization that contains a kind of database mm-hmm. uh-huh. that no one has ever seen before in life. That's going to be very, very powerful. And whoever... In terms of the Organizing for America that he's now shifting to become a 501c4. That's right. That's right. And that database will have information about everything on every individual in mm-hmm. ways that it's never been done before. And whoever runs for president on the Democratic ticket have to deal with that. They're going to have to go down with that database and the concerns of those people uh, because they can't get around it. And he's been very smart. I mean, it's very powerful what he's leaving in place. And I think that's what any Democratic candidate is going to have to deal with. No, 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 no. Hey. Yeah, who knows? I don't even, I can barely even process what she's saying most of the time. But, uh, yeah, that seems like, uh, that seems like maybe, I mean, maybe he does have a database. Or is she just talking about a mailing list? (laughs) Is she just talking about a really good mailing list? Because it could also be that. Maybe she's talking about propaganda. McCain's worried about propaganda because propaganda is warfare. Thank you. Finally, uh, I know, you know you talked about the military presence and uh, necessary for additional forces uh, in Europe. But one of the problems we continue to face, for example, one of the causes of the attempted coup in Montenegro is the saturation of propaganda. Now, propaganda is code for RT in most cases. And I, the only reason I say that is because I've looked into a lot of this propaganda out, and the, every time they break out propaganda, it's Sputnik and it's RT. It's Sputnik and it's RT. Uh, and so that, that's, oh boy, that's a weak argument. But anyways, they go on. Uh, emanating from Russia, we all know the controversy here in the United States about our election, but we now see them active in the French election, apparently in the German election. Now, these are not actually confirmed either, just like the inference into our elections. It's, and in fact, the narrative over there is so similar to the way it started over here with fake news and, and trying to interfere with the elections. It's the same narrative. Uh, but more importantly, they're inundating the Baltics in particular. Uh, what, 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 what's our... What's our ideas, or rather than ask for strategy, what's our ideas as how, as how to counter what has uh, emerged as one of the greatest threats to stability in Europe? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What should, what should the United States Senate do about stability in Europe? What should we do? Chairman, I think, first of all, we have to confront this threat as it is, be sober-minded about it. Okay, all right. We have to do it as an alliance and with our partners. What? And we have to be, we have to call it out. We have to confront it. There seems okay. to be a reluctance in many of the nations to actually confront it when we see it publicly take it on. Maybe there's a reluctance to confront it because it's all fucking bullshit. Maybe that's why there's a reluctance to confront it. Uh, and I think we as partners have to form together and begin to do this. As you said, it's prolific, and, um, and I believe we've got to confront it. In a no, we countered, we countered Russian propaganda. Now, I'm going to stop here. So uh, essentially, we're all hot and bothered about RT. We're fucking pissed about RT right now, and Sputnik. And McCain's going to tell you essentially what we have done in the past. So before RT was ever a, a, a gleam in the sperm of Vladimir Putin's sack, there was a little initiative that the United States did back during the original Cold War. During the Cold War with Radio Free Europe and Voice of America. Radio Free, Radio Free Europe, Voice of America, Voice for, what is it? What is it? Voice of America? Radio Free Europe and Voice of America. Yeah. Uh, and all I've seen so these those were our propaganda outlets. Those were like our propaganda outlets. They're still on the air. So far as disarray in Prague uh, about 
the role, the funding, the the strategies, and all that. Uh, what what do you think we need to do there to have our own counter uh, effective counter uh, message to be sent? This is a big problem for McCain. He's somebody he's really super worried about, guys. And well, I know I that's think... not exactly in your area of responsibility. Because this is a Pentagon representative, but you know, let's just fucking speculate while we're sitting here on the front of the cameras. I mean, let's just, you know, throw shit out there, guys. Let's just let's spitball. But I think it's a kind of warfare. Sure it is. Oh, it sure is. Yeah, propaganda sure is. It sure is. So then I guess we're more all the time. It, it is. They see, the Russians see this as a part of that spectrum of warfare. Oh, oh yeah, spectrum. It's their asymmetric. Oh, it's asymmetric. Oh, okay. It's an asymmetric spectrum. Gotcha. That spectrum of warfare. Asymmetric, it's right? It's their asymmetric yeah, approach. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, I'll start here. You know, we, we have information operations that are military, and I have those that are countering malign influence in Europe. But what we really need is we need what a whole-of-government uh -huh. approach. Oh, a whole-of-government approach. So propaganda. A whole-of-government information campaign, of which I'm a oh my God. small part of that. We need somebody in lead of that. So you need a propaganda chief? And then we need to finance it and form money. a governmental strategy. Oh, man. You know what we do not need is a governmental strategy for getting information out there. As you said, in the Cold War, we had one. I don't think we're as, we, there is a start on that. We have what's called the RIG, the R Russian Information Group. Oh. Which is a beginnings of that. But oh, we good. have to, uh, we have, that has to be uh, reinforced. It has to be financed. They have to have the authorities that they need to lead that forward. The R Russian Information Group, it's almost like they're hoping to find information about Russians. <laughs> Uh, we get, you know, it's like, it's like when you hire somebody to go prove something and that's what you're financing them to do, they're going to prove it. But maybe Matt Lauer can get to the bottom of things. Can you explain any reason why Chairman Nunes would have done what he did yesterday? Say, I've seen reports from the intelligence community on this subject. And instead of discussing those reports with members of his own intelligence committee and the ranking Democratic member, go right to the press and right to the White House. Has Chairman Nunes so damaged the credibility of the intelligence committee that they should just shut down that investigation? About a week ago, you said this. There's a lot of aspects with this whole relationship with Russia and Vladimir Putin that requires further scrutiny. You went on to say, in fact, I think there's a lot of shoes to drop from this centipede. Do, do you think that when all of those shoes drop, that they may mortally wound this young administration? Oh! I wonder if he's driving at something. Think he's driving something, guys? All right, let's talk a little fake news. I hate that term, right? Don't you? <laughs> I hate it so much. When did fake news really start? What do you think, Chad? When did you start hearing the term fake news? I know what I think I started hearing it. I think the first time I started hearing the term fake news was around Pizzagate. I thought I remember the first time it was like, well, this is, it was like this boom explosion of fake news, fake news, fake news, fake news, right around the time the whole Pizzagate thing started. And we've been using it ever since to talk about fake news, whatever that, whatever, and it's everybody has their own definition. And it's still with us. It happened right after the election. And it's still with us. Now, if you don't recall, uh, Pizzagate 
is a story that claimed that there was a child sex trafficking ring run out of Comet Pizza in D.C. And uh, there were emails that seemed to indicate that John Podesta and Hillary Clinton's campaign had ties to the ring. That was Pizzagate. And Pizzagate, the, the word Pizzagate came from emails that were in the WikiLeaks dump. And that's essentially it. That's the summary. Um, but it has been a toxic, 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 toxic topic. In fact, uh, Ben Swan covered it on a local CBS affiliate and then was apparently fired afterwards. In fact, several journalists have lost their jobs after reporting on it. It's one of those really awkward, awkward things. Because there, it does appear, there appears to be some defamation lawsuits going up. And it's still being talked about. But I kind of just ignore it. There probably is some sort of child tri- sex trafficking ring in D.C. There's probably a lot of it going on. I mean, that's just an unfortunate reality of the world. Really unfortunate reality. I don't know if that means Pizzagate is anything. But I do take note when there's a story, a particular conspiracy theory, the friend of the show, long-time, uh, long-time friend of the show. <sighs> What's driving me crazy is that photo right there. Zoom in on that. It's one of those cops in a black uniform with a mustache. And you just look like an absolute clown freak. Alex Jones. Um, Alex Jones has been really weird about covering Pizzagate. He gets in, then he gets out. He fired somebody that won't stop talking about it. Um, and then last week, in the first I have ever seen in the sort of tangential remote coverage I do of Alex Jones, Alex Jones released an apology and a correction. Alex Jones here with an important note to our viewing, listening, and reading audiences. I'm going to read to you from a statement that's also posted to Infowars.com that I wrote yesterday. And in this entire statement, he goes through to separate uh, his entire operation from the story, all of it, to distance himself. Fascinating. It's fascinating. Uh, The entire thing's on YouTube if you want to see it. He even talks about individuals. We also relied on accounts of reporters who are no longer with us. So he blamed it on the people that he fired, like all this kind of stuff. Super awkward, guys, and really strange. Here's what we've done to clarify to the public. Months ago, we took down the majority of broadcast and videos, including ones that only passingly mentioned Pizzagate. This happened months before we were even contacted by Mr. Alephantis. Mr. Alephantis. That's the owner of Comet Ping Pong Pizza. And uh, I guess maybe they're going after uh, Alex Jones for a lawsuit. I'm not so sure what I'm not so sure. But uh, 60 Minutes is in on it. In this last election, the nation was assaulted by imposters masquerading as reporters. Oh, come on, Scott. That's a little hard on yourself. Well, I guess that's about right. This is uh, interesting. So 60 Minutes did this investigation into fake news. They're, they're busting fake news. CBS is all in on busting fake news. And they set this whole thing up like, we're going to get you answers. They poisoned the conversation with lies on the left and on the right. Many did it to influence the outcome. Others, just to make a buck. The president uses the term fake news to discredit responsible reporting that he doesn't like. See, I disagree with that characterization. I I think what's happened is everybody has their own definition of fake news. So when Trump says it's fake news, what he means is you're not covering the entire story generally. Sort of like they do here when they talk about when they talk about bots. They don't cover the entire story. They only cover one angle, one side, and they sort of live with inside this bubble. 
And uh, in this very fake news busting piece, this very piece right here where they're busting fake news, you can see the logic loop that they are trapped within. She had a seizure and froze up walking into her motorcade. This is uh, Scott Pelley talking to a uh, right-wing blogger who uh, creates fake news. He says it's not fake news. He says it's not fake news. Now, he ran a piece saying that Hillary Clinton has Parkinson's. Well, she had pneumonia. I mean, How do you know? Who told you that? Well, the campaign told us that. Oh, that is a bit of an awkward spot, isn't it? That is, and they cut right away from Scott when he says that, too. Pneumonia, I mean... How do you know? Who told you that? Well, the campaign told us... He had pneumonia, I mean... How do you know? Who told you that? Well, the campaign... Well, the campaign told... Ah! So you, Scott Pelley, winner of awards for journalism, the CBS News, the Tiffany Network, they just take what a campaign tells them? Is that is that what is that literally what you're saying right now? I mean, how do you know who told you that? Well, the campaign told us that. Why would you trust the campaign? The point is, you didn't talk to anybody who'd ever examined Hillary Clinton. I don't take anything Hillary Clinton is going to say at all as true. I'm not going to take her on her word. I actually think that's an extremely reasonable and honestly, intellectually honest position, because if you think if you just look back at Hillary Clinton's uh, history, she, you could really cherry. I mean, there's so many, there's so many ripe opportunities, but there's so many times she lies or misleads or states things in a way to to weasel out later. She's very good at that. So it would be good journalism. It's I would consider it good journalism to question what all candidates say. You question what Trump says. You question what Hillary Clinton says. But here's Scott Pelley arguing. The campaign told us. Kate. Well. She had pneumonia. I mean, how do you know? Who told you that? Well, the campaign told us that. Why would you trust the campaign? Why would they trust the campaign? Why? Why would they? I've been asking myself that since I watched this club. Why do they just trust the campaign? I can't answer that question. Obviously, I don't know. I bet it, uh, it, that to me seems to be the question. So let's go on to the Supreme Court nomination of Mr. Gorsh. It looks like a Gorsh. Isn't Gorsh? Isn't that a Klingon zit? Isn't that a, a return to Gorsuch? Gorsuch. I think that this has been a slam dunk in terms of his initial Q, Q's and A's. Gorsuch is doing well in part because he's so well prepared. It's just a masterful performance by him. Tough to lay a glove on this guy. Thus far, <laughs> he is proving very tough for Democrats to rattle. He has just a natural command and frankly kind of stage presence. Judge Gorsuch is completely qualified and everybody knows it. But the Democrats have not even bruised, blemished anything to this judge so far. But the effort has been kind of scattershot, low intensity, and as we saw today, Gorsuch has a genial and disarming personality, hard to portray him as a judicial villain. I would say that this was an impressively disciplined performance. He performed himself admirably, calmly, at almost all times, and with detail. Gorsuch is, is not just very, very smart, but smooth and affable. So you kind of get the idea, right? So he's just going to sail right on through, right? He's just going to sail. The Supreme Court matters a great, great deal. Oh, here's Chuck Schumer. Okay. It matters for workers. Yeah. Who want to protect both their lives and their jobs. We better get somebody on there. For employees who need to be able to seek redress for discrimination. Yeah, this is why it's so great we found somebody everybody likes. For parents. Yeah. Who want their kids to get a fair shake in the education system. It is with all this in mind that I, I have come to a decision about the current nominee. 
Okay, here we go. This is going to be good. After careful deliberation, I have concluded that I cannot support Judge Neil Gorsuch's nomination to the Supreme Court. His nomination will have a cloture vote. He will have to earn 60 votes for confirmation. I just can't. Now, here's what's going to happen. So right now, you have to have 60 votes. So that means you have to pick somebody that's going to be reasonably liked. They can't be too extreme to one side or the other. So when you have a Democrat in there, they can't pick somebody who's too much of a progressive. And when you got Trump in there, you can't pick somebody who's too much of a conservative because he's got to get 60 votes to pass. But because Schumer is going to cock block this guy, what's going to happen is because the Republicans have a majority, they're going to change the rules. They're going to change the rules to 50. And they're going to get the next guy on. And the next guy is going to be way more conservative. It's, it's called the nuclear option again. Just like the, the, uh, the filibustering rules were changed, this is going to backfire big time, bigly, bigly. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's really going to be a problem because they're just going to change the rules to get around the Democrats. And then something tells me there's a pretty good chance. I think the Trump team's already planning. I think they're planning to put two judges on there. I, I don't know how that works exactly. But uh, that, that seems to be what they are, are signaling. And so if they can't get somebody like uh, Gorsh on there, and then they have to change the rules, then it's, the next guy's going to slide right by. It's going to be a real shit show. Don't you wish there was a hero? Somebody to save us? Somebody like Uncle Joe? Welcome back to Outnumbered. Former Vice President Joe Biden says he regrets not running for president last year and suggests that he could have beaten Donald Trump. Now, Biden, who ran twice before, as you remember, decided against a third try after his son, Beau, died in 2015. Actually, there's a really interesting story that I think it's in a book. Can't remember where I saw it, Uh, but you could probably find it if you Google for the right things. There's some. Oh, maybe it was emails. That's what it was. It was email leaks. That showed that the Hillary Clinton campaign was really, really, really active early on making sure that Joe didn't run. It is very, very likely, although who knows, could be totally wrong, but it's very likely that this whole I can't run, I'm too torn up about my son thing is just kind of a real nice political cover. In 2015, he told an audience at Colgate University that he had data, saying if he became the Democratic nominee, he had a good chance of winning. He also had this to say. I was the best qualified, but the things that I've spent my whole life doing, American foreign policy, I, the ability to bring people together, the, uh, the respect on both sides of the aisle, I thought there was a need to bring the country together, and I thought I could have done it. <laughs> oh, man. He sounds so sad. Poor Joe. Poor, poor Joe. Well, would it make you feel better if this version of Donald Trump was in office, Joe? This is from uh, 1980. 1980. Ronna Barrett is interviewing a 34-year-old Donald Trump. And notice the difference in demeanor. Could make America perfect. How would you do it? Well, I think that America is a country that has tremendous, tremendous potential. I think that much like the mind, I think that America is using very, very little of its potential. 
I feel that this country with the proper leadership can go on to become what it once was and I hope and certainly hope that it does go on to be what it uh, what it should be what should it be well it should be a it should really be a country that gets the respect of other countries today is respect the most important thing in your opinion well respect can lead to other things so what takes a person i guess it's just success and time in the public spotlight building a persona a lot of people who meet with trump say he's so little different behind the scenes and that doesn't surprise me too much somebody might have a public persona and then they have a more regular persona behind the scenes because it's honestly more easy to engage with people when you're that version of a person than you are when, the, uh, when you are the Donald Trump you see in front of the camera. We, last week in the overtime, we covered the London attack. I want to follow up on that. The latest we've just heard is that Islamic State has claimed responsibility for the attack in London on Wednesday. Joining us live with the details is RT's Polly Boyko. Polly, thank you for following this story for us. It's good to see you. Top officials have been saying all along that the attack bore the hallmarks of Islamic State, and now we have confirmation, don't we? What more can you tell us? Yeah, we do. Um, we've heard through the IS propaganda agency. They've uh, put a message up online claiming responsibility. They said it was a soldier of the Islamic State that carried out the attack. Um, Theresa May was speaking to MPs in Parliament just a little bit earlier on as well. And she issued quite a rallying speech talking about how Britons shouldn't be afraid in the face of attacks like these. But at the same time, she revealed some pretty vital details about the attacker. Um, she said that it looks like this was a lone wolf attack, that he acted alone. And importantly, that the authorities knew his identity, that um, they'll make it public as soon as the situation allows. But this was somebody who had been on MI5s, so the domestic intelligence services radar. Huh. Funny how that always happens. I wanted to, you know what, I, I kind of missed the best thing about that Trump interview, not to go back. I hate to do that for the flow. If we had the one man... So this is the end of the Trump interview. The whole thing's in the supporter sinks, if you want to find it. But this is the end of the Trump interview from 1980. 1980. From 1980. I thought that was that was quite the ending. Uh, why were, wait, hold on. Before we see now, I'm jumping all over the place. You see, that's Donald Trump's that's Donald Trump's fault. I blame I blame the Donald. We go back over the pond now. Two years of Brexit negotiations begin this morning. Britain's prime minister is about to officially trigger her country's withdrawal from the European Union under Article 50 of the EU Constitution. Here is a live look at the House of Commons, where Theresa May is taking questions from lawmakers before delivering her statement on Brexit. Jonathan Bigliotti is outside the Bigliotti. Houses of Parliament. Jonathan, good morning. Hey, good morning. Jonathan. Triggering Article 50 is really Trigger. just a nice way of saying filing for divorce. <laughs> and just like any split, leaving the EU won't be pretty. The sun has risen on a breakup many in the UK and throughout Europe hoped wouldn't happen. But later in Brussels, where the European Union is headquartered, the divorce papers will be filed. Prime Minister Theresa May signed the official letter Tuesday. 
In a statement, she said, it is my fierce determination to get the right deal for every single person in this country. Later saying that includes EU nationals who have, quote, made this country their home. The countdown is on the deadline. British news is already counting down the 730 days to the separation, right to the second. This two-year divorce process could require Britain to borrow as much as $73 billion. On the line, the UK's international trading relationships and free passage to the 27 other member nations. Negotiating between countries will be as complicated and historic as it sounds. What is for certain is that we're getting back control of our country and in future, whether we get things right or get things wrong, we will be in charge. The referendum to leave the EU or Brexit was just narrowly passed last summer, and some who voted to leave said they were tricked by politicians who oversold non-existent health care benefits and promised to stop immigration. Prime Minister May has already found a helping hand in the process from President Trump, who told her the Brexit would be wonderful. The English are split down the middle. Theresa May has divided the entire uh, firmament of these islands. The only person she's not fighting with is Donald Trump. And two nations may not be enough, and the EU certainly <laughs> hoping the UK feels the pain, Gale, to send a clear message to other member nations That's right. who may be thinking about leaving. In other words... Thank you, Jonathan Bigliotti, reporting from London. Bigliotti, they're going to make it really suck for us. There's a really, really, really bad thing going on for Google right now that's going to screw over YouTube content. The issue here is when someone plays you know, like a video on, on YouTube, before you get to the content, you, you have to watch an ad. You get that you know, bug that comes up, so you can wait 15 seconds or something. And companies like AT&T, uh, Verizon, Johnson & Johnson, these big companies, they've just found out that their ads are being played before some pretty offensive content, and they want it to stop. Right, so what's happening is they not only found out they're playing right on top of the video, but sometimes there are other ads that are running. Now, the Unfiltered show has been, mm, for three, three weeks running, about four videos a day are getting demonetized on YouTube because we're not advertiser-friendly, because we talk about current events. So they're being very careful. So I find some of this to be a little suspicious. I could imagine it happens sometimes. But if Unfilter is getting flagged for being too controversial, I don't imagine you're seeing ISIS beheading videos with an AT&T ad. What I think is really happening here is these advertisers want more data. They want more data about their listeners and the viewers of YouTube videos. And so they're playing hardball with Google. Listen to the way this guy starts talking. So what companies are saying is we're pulling not just out of Google or YouTube, but that, those ads could appear in a whole bunch of other related sites that work with Google. So it's actually a significant impact. And I will tell you, there is a positive in this. That is a positive, he says, going to change the course of how advertisers work with platforms and also affect what kind of content that may be available on sites like these. That doesn't seem like a positive thing to me. In fact, uh, there's a lot of YouTube creators right now. There's plenty of other videos on YouTube about this that are getting a lot of their videos pulled just from people's list because they've been flagged as controversial, even though it's just things like, you know, discussion shows and commentary. Uh, it is a slippery slope and, and Google is freaking out because major advertisers are pulling out. Really love to cover Bill Biney when he gets on anything. He was a, he worked at the NSA for 30 years. Then he, he became a leaker. He went through some official whistleblowing channels. He had his life ruined. I mean, he's really got like he's been through the machinery and he's got great insight of what's going on over the NSA. And he sat down with an, inter with an interview with your favorite person, Tucker Tarlson. 
NSA no, for more than 30 years. He was a famous and highly regarded employee there, but he resigned in 2001, saying the agency was building illegal mass surveillance networks. He says that President Trump almost certainly has been spied on by the government, was being spied on, and probably for a long time. We have another uh, Cucker Tuckerson uh, clip in the supporter sync. If you have that BitTorrent sync still, if you still have that, uh, go look for it because it's a great interview. Bill Binney joins us now. Bill, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, now, well, you, as, as me, I Tucker. just said in my intro, you spent 30 years there. You're not someone who's speculating, and you believe it's entirely possible that the president was, in fact, spied on? Yes, in fact, uh, they're taking in fundamentally the entire fiber network inside the United States and collecting all that data and storing it in, in a program for the, uh, they call it, it Stellar Wind is the name for their program. Uh, that's the domestic collection of data on U.S. citizens, U.S. citizens to other U.S. citizens, everything we're doing. Uh, phone calls, emails, and then financial transactions, uh, credit cards, things like that, yeah, all of it. So if you didn't, if you found someone objectionable or dangerous, the temptation would be profound to locate information on that person and perhaps misuse it, would it not be? Yes, and for, for example, inside NSA, they had a program called, they called Love Int. That's where the analysts in NSA looked into that data to find out if their lovers were cheating on them. That, that's the extent of the data collection that NSA is doing. But I mean, I, I grew up believing that NSA was not allowed to collect data on Americans. It was supposed to be outwardly focused on our foreign enemies. And you're saying that that's been perverted for many years. Yes, since 2001. So what do you make of considering uh, what you just said is that the NSA has all the information. So presumably they could prove or disprove the claims about Russian tampering in this election. They could prove or disprove Trump's tweet about being spied upon. Why wouldn't they? That's uh, well, that, that would get into the extent of which they've penetrated the network inside the United States. There's another program going on here that not too many people are talking about. They're not even addressing. I think you were trying to get at it uh, with your previous guest. Uh, inside NSA, there's a set of people who are, and we got this from another NSA whistleblower who w witnessed some of this. They're inside there. They're targeting and looking at all the members of the Supreme Court, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Congress, both House and Senate, as well as the White House. And all of this data is there at, inside NSA in a small group where they're looking at it. Uh, and the idea is to see what what people have power over you are going to what they think, what they think you should be doing or what they're planning to do uh, to you, your budget or whatever. So you can try to counteract it before it actually happens. I mean, that's just East German. And by the way, that's that's got yes. to be illegal. Yeah. I do not believe that that is legal. The I, oversight committees. No, it isn't. No, right. It's are supposed no. to be preventing that stuff. And I remember having a conversation with the former Republican chairman of the oversight mm -hmm. committee, Mike Rogers, and saying this is a big deal and getting an answer in effect. Well, you know, terrorism. That doesn't sound like this well, has anything to do with terrorism. No, this bulk acquisition, by the way, is inhibiting their ability to detect terrorist threats in advance so they can't stop them. So people get killed as a result, which means, you know, they pick up the pieces and clean up the blood after the attack. That's what's been going on. I mean, they've consistently failed. When Alexander said he'd stop, they'd stop 54 uh, attacks and he was challenged to produce the evidence to prove that, he failed on every count. So, but the NSA is not, this is my last question, but, and it's an obvious one, the NSA is not its own country. So if the President of the United States, for whom they work, to whom they report, says, look, I want everything you have on X, aren't they required to give it to them? 
Yes, uh, uh, but again, he'll never know if they do because they don't necessarily have to do that uh, internally. You see, uh, you, you had uh, Nunes and others saying that they never really got to see the raw data. So it's a question of whether or not they pull out the raw data and give him the, that data or anything, any reports generated off that. Uh, they, I, they don't have to. And they've been lying to them for consistently for a very long time. If this is a shocking interview. I appreciate it, Bill. It's hard to believe we're putting up with this. Thank you for shedding some light. Well, we're, it's like the Praetorian Guard. You know, they're making, uh, they're going to determine what the yep. emperor does and who the emperor is. That's the thing right there. So, uh, boy, if I could boil down why why I think the the whole Trump smokescreen is is hiding the really, really, really important aspect of this whole wiretapping, monitoring, surveillance, ancillary pickup, whatever you want to call it. The real story here is we have demonstrated proof that the intelligence agencies are selectively leaking information to the press, to Nunes, to different individuals. They're controlling the narrative by giving people different pieces of information. Predominantly, the information they've given to the media is the, is the largest public demonstration we have of their selective manipulation. If this is successful, we have ourselves a problem that's so much bigger than Trump. I don't think it can be properly estimated. I don't think I don't think we average citizens could fully understand the context of how bad that is. I want to repeat what he says here at the end. For shedding some light. Well, we're, it's like the Praetorian Guard. You know, they're making uh, they're going to determine what the emperor does and who the emperor is. That was the analogy that came to mind. That is horrifying. Think about that, friends. Think about how horrifying that is. Does that not scare the shit out of you that the deep, deep state would be that he's right, too. And that's not a right left thing. That's not a Obama, Clinton, Trump thing. That is that is the situation we're going down now. Right now, in my estimation, the left seems to be sucking from the teat of the intelligence agencies and is whitewashing the things they've done. In fact, I almost have to. Let's see here. Uh, is it this one? All right. I'm, I, I apologize if Cucker Tuckerson drives you crazy. But this interview perfectly demonstrates what I'm talking about. This the position that the far establishment liberal left is taking where they're saying where they're essentially whitewashing all of the wrongs of the intelligence agencies. So that way they can glom onto a Russian narrative is one of the biggest betrayals of their own fundamental morals of quote unquote progressives. I think we've seen in this entire election cycle. Democrats are lashing out at House Intelligence Chairman Devin Nunez saying he needs to recuse himself from the House of Representatives investigation into alleged Russian meddling in the 2016 election. The only person who can force him to do this, though, is the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, and he is defending Nunez so far. I still don't know why. If you guys gave me a reason to recuse myself, I might consider it. One, should Devin Nunes recuse himself yeah. from the investigation? And two, do you know the source of his information? Uh, so I'm going to jump ahead because I really don't want to play a lot of cucker. So he gets he get, brings this guy on, and uh, he he's like, this guy's from the DNC. He asks, are you still working for the DNC? He says, I'm working there for a few more weeks. I think we know about how this <laughs> how the single most impressive person looks. And then oh, Tucker asked him a good question. Tucker says, how did the single most impressive person lose the election? Asked everyone to resign by the end of the month. Zach joins us here in the studio. So Zach, i got to start off by asking, are you still working for the DNC? I, 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 I am today. My, uh, uh, my contract ends at the end of, uh, end of this week, as it was planned uh, since January. Well, good for Tom Perez for looking within a little bit and not just ranting about Russia, but asking, like, you know, how did the single most impressive person in the history of the world lose to Donald Trump? 
Right. That's a great question to ask. Isn't that a good question to ask? Isn't that a great question to ask? I, I, I am today. My uh, my contract ends at the end of uh, end of this week, as it was planned uh, since January. Well, good for Tom Perez for looking within a little bit and not just ranting about Russia, but asking, like, you know, how did the single most impressive person in the history of the world lose to Donald Trump? Well, I mean, I think we know about how this <laughs> how the single most impressive person lost to Donald Trump, uh-huh. and it was in part by the Russian government. So it doesn't make sense. Okay, so for the last three or four months, Democrats Democrats have been saying every night in this show, Trump is a puppet of the Kremlin. He's doing the bidding of the Putin government. That's right. The entire Russian economy is based on energy. Trump's views on energy are very pro-American. He wants more energy exploration and production in this country. Oh, shit. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He's totally for fracking. If you were doing the Kremlin's bidding, you would have Al Gore's position. You'd be against fracking, <laughs> oh, and you'd no. be talking a lot about oh, global yeah. warming. How does it even make sense oh, no. that Trump is doing the bidding of Russia? And you know what? It actually makes sense. In fact, if you look at the position, Russia putting that submarine off our coast, Russia's uh, cracking down on the pro-Trump messages in their state media, w- what the real problem with Russia is, and I did some digging about this last week, we really started having a problem with Russia right at the Iraq war. Because guess who didn't, guess who we tried to go with us into Iraq, and guess who publicly said no? Guess who publicly denounced the war in Iraq? Sharon, can you guess? Putin! Vladimir Putin, new leader Vladimir Putin, who was uh, recently put in power and loving the new constitutional changes inspired by the U.S. State Department, denounced the war in Iraq. After years and years of restructuring Russia's political system through different means of manipulation, our guy gets out and Putin steps in and he publicly declares that the war in Iraq is a bad idea. And ever since then, it's been a downhill... Disaster with 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 peaks with good peaks. There's good, but there's been good moments. There's been red reset buttons. I mean, there's been good moments. But Tucker here does nail it. Where we truly compete with Russia is energy and weapon sales, because those are the two markets that really make money for us. And that's truly where they compete with us. It's money. And that's what it's really about. It's really about the money. It's just the oil and weapons. That's what it's about. And so Tucker makes the point, well, if you are, if you really look at the things that these two nations compete over, the Russia probably isn't going to like Donald Trump that much. That's a pretty, that's a pretty sober assessment, I think sense that Trump is doing the bidding of Russia. Well, it makes sense that Trump is doing the bidding of Russia if you look at the actions that he has taken as president. Now, I would also argue this. If if Trump was truly the Manchurian candidate, if Trump was truly uh, like a full-on stooge of Russia, wouldn't he then publicly have campaigned anti-Russia and then flipped when he got in? Wouldn't that have been the smarter bet not to... Why would you show your cards the entire time? The actions that he has taken as president, the actual things that he has done is he has removed sanctions on the FSB, which is the Russian spy network. He's also attacked NATO, which is uh, one of the top attacked. priorities of, of Vladimir Putin. Um, and he continues to praise Putin at, at, at every turn. Uh, and not only okay, that, he goes he, up and, and, he, and attacks he, the European maybe, Union, which again is an he, adversary. He, he loves, loves Putin. Let's just, I'll, I'll grant you that. He, he I'm not saying it's Putin. true, but whatever. 
NATO was a bulwark against Soviet communism. It was great. But you got to think that Putin's priorities maybe have changed a little bit in the 26 years since the Soviet Union collapsed, and that maybe maintaining their economy might be at the top of the list. So Trump is actually working against Russian interests on that, the biggest question of all. And he's also calling for more military spending and expanding the U.S. Navy and Air Force. That's true. Why in the world would Putin be for that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, really? Why would Putin want this massive spending increase in the military? I don't understand how you can say that Putin is for, is for American uh, uh, policy and that Donald Trump is uh, is 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 uh, what? is what whatever what? you just said what? the <laughs> oh no he's losing it just making the obvious point that Al Gore and Hillary Clinton's views on energy the single most important question in the Russian economy are much closer to Putin's than Trump and and what and I'm Trump saying and what view. I'm saying is that the single most important thing for the Russian economy is the lifting sanctions and that is what Donald oh, Trump no. and his yeah, administration no. is that's, going. that's not true at all. No, it, it is absolutely no, it is not true. That is why propaganda against fracking. No, I mean the most important thing, which is why that the ambassador to Russia, Kislyak, freaked out when it looked like uh, the administration was going to impose new sanctions. Which is why they called Michael Flynn. They don't want sanctions, but well, I mean, like, it is a disaster for their economy. Okay, it is a disaster. Is it is the reason why the Russian economy is in decline is because the price of oil dropped below $120 a barrel and their economy had planned. I, I believe they thought worst case it was going to be 110 I might have my numbers off. It might have been less than that. But they literally budgeted for $110 a barrel. They, that's what they budgeted for was the, the, on sort of that price sale. Now, I'm, this obviously is my super loose understanding of all of it. But when the, when the value of oil dropped quite a bit, it had a massively negative impact on their economy, What I, to my understanding, more dramatically so than the sanctions. Propaganda channels not running long pieces about sanctions, running long pieces about fracking. They, and they how it's bad. They're on your off, side with the fracking. First, first off, the Russian propaganda absolutely was running long pieces, uh, pieces about uh, sanctions. They were boosting that up right after uh -huh. Donald Trump won. And they you know, as somebody, as somebody who has watched RT every single week, I, I would say they cover fracking way more than they covered the sanctions. I would say dramatically more. I, I don't know if I could put a number on it, but it is it it would it would be if I could it it would be like they didn't cover the sanctions and that all they talked about is fracking. Like it was so small. They were and they were talking about how what an important boon this was going to be for the Russian economy. So you're wrong on that front. Uh -huh. He's not. I mean, to somebody who's literally been watching it now for three years, uh, unfortunately, and it by the way is shit. It's shit. That's why when people talk about what a big propaganda machine it is, it's first of all, do you do you personally have RT in on your cable lineup? You listener at home? I bet most of you don't. It's almost totally unavailable here in the US. And you can find their shitty YouTube channels and you can see they how exactly how many views they get. They're not some huge powerful arm. And when you do watch, their production quality sucks. So your point is, and the point of Democrats speaking in lockstep as always, is that Devin Nunez is such a partisan that he cannot continue in his role as chairman of the House Intel Committee. If he was such a partisan, if he's partisan, of course, he's an elected Republican. But if he was so partisan that partisanship guided his every action, why would he be allowing hearings on any of this in the first place? Democrats would never allow hearings well, on something to hurt their president. Well, for, he's first off, first off he, he just canceled uh, a public hearing on, on Friday. All right, we've already covered this in the main show, so we'll drop it there. But I thought that was an interesting at least.
interesting conversation. And you can kind of see the uh, loop. In fact, did I get... Uh... She said there, were, there was an investigation into Russian interference, and it centered on people in the Trump orbit. That's exactly what he said. What? No. What, so what do you think of that? Does that bother you? The, the, uh, there is a difference between an investigation and, sp- and spying on members of the transition team. Really? What, what we do How know could you have an investigation happen? without spying know. on members of the transition team? How would that be possible? That is a very specific term when you're talking about surveillance as opposed to... Whatever. It's, it's, it's general the same thing. Investigation. You're watching people you're, without you're their knowledge. You're just making stuff up. No. I'm not making anything. No, no, you are. What we what we do know is is uh, is that the FBI has been running an investigation since July. We do not know the with methods. no surveillance. We do. Know, we I don't know that. Do you know that? I know that the NSA sweeps up virtually every electronic communication in the United States. Its former employees have conceded that. The Snowden Papers prove it. And I'm bothered by it. Now you claim to be a oh, liberal. Oh, that's a good line. Why am I the liberal in this case, arguing for civil liberties <laughs> and the right to privacy? Because, Why are you because you about you this? you are the only you are injecting facts that don't actually exist. What do you mean they don't exist? You, you are you are supposing what I just you, said. You, Yes, you are. You are supposing that the NSA is somehow involved in this, and, and they're and they're sweeping up all sorts of well, uh, they, communications actually, that are there. I mean, they please, are. Please, po- please point to a the, specific communication uh, uh, that 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 you're talking about. Just we point just to one. had, and it, look, just just point to one. This is like arguing about the sunrise. We know no, that just the point NSA. Got to <laughs> 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 play those guys off. All right, we're wrapping up the overtime. In the home stretch. In the home stretch. All right, let's go to Spicy Sean and MSN's report on his awful interaction with a veteran reporter. How does this administration try to revamp its image? Now, right there, you can see that's already pissed Sean off. See, because it starts with the premise that they need to revamp their image, which he immediately disagrees with because he's part of the image, right? So he's not, so he's already, he's already unhappy. Two and a half months in, you've got the Shade story today. You've got other things going on. You've got Russia, you've got. Oh, then she had to say Russia. And now look at, she's just making a list. The girl's just going, I'm making a list now. I got Russia, I got Trump, I got Flynn. You got wiretapping, you got. You know, wiretapping. We don't have that. <laughs> You, 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 I know. On Capitol Hill. No, no, I, I get it, but you keep, I, I've said it from the day that I got here until whatever, that, that there is no connection. You've got Russia. If the president puts Russian salad dressing on his salad tonight, somehow that's a Russian connection. Welcome back to the 11th hour. Sean Spicer got increasingly hostile with reporters in the briefing room. To- you know, I have to kind of understand where he's coming from a little bit because she starts with the premise. She starts with the premise. Here's another exchange. No networks. At some point, report the facts. The facts are that every single person who has been briefed on this subject has come away with the same conclusion. Republican, Democrat, so I'm sorry that that disgusts you. You're shaking your head. I appreciate it, but, but, I, okay, but understand this, that at some point, the facts are what they are. And every single person who has been briefed on this situation with respect to the, the situation with Russia, Republican, Democrat, Obama appointee, career, have all come to the same conclusion. At some point, April, you're going to have to take no for an answer with respect to whether or not there was collusion. <laughs> so he's, he's kind of had it, right? And of course, that's getting spun as him being racist. Uh, Hillary Clinton said that he did it because she's a woman. Uh, I, I, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't really comment on that. I can't really comment on that. I can't really say that that's why. I, to me, it seems like he was just overwhelmed at how many, how he's sick with it. I mean, she starts with, I think what it really is, and this has gotten a lot of attention. Uh, in fact, here's Hillary Clinton right here. Where everyday sexism and structural barriers were once blatant, 
Today, they're sometimes harder to spot, but make no mistake, they're still with us. This is yesterday. Just look at all that's happened in the last few days to women who were simply doing their jobs. Now, you heard the way she started the question. How does the administration recover its image with Russia and the wiretapping? It was it was a biased question. It started with the premise that they needed to fix their image. There was bias in there. That's that's really what he responded to. But Hillary says that, that's that's sexism. April Ryan, a respected journalist with unrivaled integrity, was doing her job just this afternoon in the White House press room when she was patronized and cut off trying to ask a question. One of your own California Congresswomen, Maxine Waters, was taunted with a racist joke about her hair. Now, too many women, especially women of color, have had a lifetime of practice taking precisely these kinds of indignities in stride. Yep, she's out of the woods. She's out of the woods, and she's saying it was sexism. Now, uh, Mr. Chase is joining us, and Chase, I have a question for you. Yes, yes, go ahead, Chris. You know, I, I, do you, I have a question after we're going to play this report, and then I'm going to ask Tonight, you. Tonight, I'm obsessed with the president trying to take a mulligan on one of his longest-standing critiques of President Obama, his love of golf. Obama is going to be out playing golf. He might even be on one of my courses. I would invite him. He plays more golf than the guys in the PGA Tour play. I love golf. I think it's one of the greats, but I don't have time. 250 rounds, that's more than a guy who plays in the PGA Tour plays. He played more golf last year than Tiger Woods. Well, it was a silly argument when Mr. Trump was making it as a candidate, and it's gotten even sillier now. By our count, in his 68 days in office, President Trump has already taken in 13 golf outing. By comparison, President Obama had not yet hit the links once. I got a theory about this. Now, I will admit, I don't normally fry bacon in the overtime, and this is straight up bacon. Okay. But my theory it is... Smells good. My theory is that when you want to break a few rules and have off-the-record meetings and conversations that aren't bugged or don't have White House staff around or aren't being logged by somebody, yeah, you take you invite them out on the golf course and you talk. You just maybe maybe the whole time you play an hour of it's, golf, it's two a, hours it's of a, golf, it's and an you have old, a five-minute conversation over those two hours. It's an old business edict, you know, work gets done on the golf course. Oh yeah, for sure. I know, yeah, I know yeah. that. I'm taking that. And I'm taking the next step further and saying this is where the really secret stuff is done. The stuff that they don't want any record of. The stuff that nobody's supposed to keep track. Of nobody had to check into the White House. There's no official log that somebody visited the president. Yeah. They, they meet you out on the golf course. Yeah. They talk a little business. Maybe it's a, maybe it's an insider at the CIA. Maybe it's a buddy. That's what I think this all this president golfing is about. Maybe and obviously they like doing it. But you ever notice how just like it really? You're telling me all these presidents love golf this much, or or it be. Is it just maybe possibly that this is a perfect opportunity to go out, get some sunshine, because you can fly out to nice places and have some private meetings? By this time in his presidency. But it's not just that the president is playing a lot of golf or that it's hypocritical that he's doing exactly what he criticized President Obama for. It's that his staff feels like they need to hide the amount of golf the boss is playing. They put the pool in dark rooms. And then on various occasions, the White House staff has told the press that the president is taking meetings that happen to be taking place at his golf clubs and that he may have stepped out and hit a few balls. See, I'm thinking that is actually somewhat true. 
<laughs> I think I think there's secret meetings that are off the record. Nobody had to check in. At the yeah, White but House. Here, here's one thing though: these these uh, golf outings are happening at his golf courses, right? Sure, yeah. Sure. So so oh, yeah. so yeah. so basically, smart. he smart. yeah he's paying himself yeah. to go play golf. That's smart. Yeah, it's very smart. That's good. That's like uh, that's good business. That's sense. like if you got an Amazon affiliate and then you get everybody you know to buy through your affiliate code or you use your own affiliate code. Kind of, but you can't really do that. So you got to yeah. get friends and family to do it, right? right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, we're going to wrap up. Uh, this is a commentator that we have on the show from time to time. Uh, he comes from a religious perspective. This is a broadcast he does. It is done in front of a green screen, I think, with some Bible verses on it. Uh, and so it's really a man of the scripture. And uh, he has taken analysis on uh, one of the president's uh, top advisors, Reverend Manning. <laughs> I, I, I meant to make this announcement. Please forgive me for being so tardy in bringing forth this announcement. Remember Kellyanne Conway on the sofa there in the uh, Oval Office with 100 black men standing around her, and she got in her money-making position. What? Wait, wait, what? Money maker. <laughs> she got her in her money position. That's a show enough money shot. Woo, Jesus. What? what? Woo, Lord. Look at that. That's a money shot. Kelly Ann Conway is a money shot. But you know, I forgot to inform you <laughs> that the reason why she wow. got into that money shot without being asked in front of look at that, in front of in front of Bible verses, uh Dr. Martin, Martin Luther King Boulevard, uh like it, yeah. really something. Yeah, really this, something. This guy's wow. Is that Kelly Ann Conway has got jungle fever. She couldn't stand herself. Jungle fever, jungle fever, jungle fever. Just want to let the you guys know. Good take. That's that's but that's fine. That's fine. That's fine, right? Yeah. Nobody has a problem with that. No, nobody. What could go wrong with that? Yeah. No All worries. right. Thanks for being here. Patreon.com/slash/unfiltered. Yes. Two weeks. Yes. Two weeks. Yes. We'll miss you. Goodbye. Bye. Love yous.